Welcome, everybody, back to the Apron Bumps Wrestling Podcast, episode 23. We are in the midst of the second episode of season two. I forgot to mention that when uh, I did the predictions review, but I am, of course, your main hostess with the mostest, I suppose, if we're going to get really cringy about it. Embraced her, Braden Mayhew, along with my wonderful, wonderful co-host, Mr. Gabe Nozid. It's the first time we as a duo have done a review in three months since AEW Full Gear. Gabe, how does it feel to be back on the show? First time on season two and first time in three months. How does it feel to kind of actually finally be able to be involved in the episode? Oh my tell God. me about that. It's, it's been so long. I, I know. remember we were we were going to talk about war games mm-hmm. at one point, but we just got so busy in our uh, real life so, um, just respective, situations. Yeah, respective stuff going on. And, yeah, um, so... He, he had job responsibilities. I had finals within, like, the week after that. The week leading up to that show and afterward. It was just it was busy. Term papers, all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, so now, and I mean, there was... I, I had a midterm also, like, the, the week of the Royal Rumble. So, like, I ended up skipping that show, too. Which I, I kind of regret in hindsight. That would have been maybe yeah, a good one. Yeah, we haven't reviewed a single, like, main event, like... Or main roster, like... In forever. In forever. We it's skipped crazy. Survivor Series, which, I mean, I'm not... Is not it really too, a not, big four anymore? <laughs> I know. It, it still counts because it's been around forever. But, like, it really, it's not what it was. And, um, you know, it's just... We skipped that one, but I would have wouldn't have really liked to have done the Royal Rumble. But yeah, that was a that was a really good Rumble. Um, it was. I thought the women's was great. I thought you know the men's was, was very was some was some pretty good stuff. I enjoyed minus the finish to Reigns and Owens. The, the finish got kind of fucked up in that. Oh, match, that was but... hilarious, Braden. <laughs> oh my god, felt I bad for like, those yo, guys. Yo, the the ref literally stopped counting at six. I'm like, hold on. The whole point of the referee you know, is because he was about to touch 10. If they would have just ha- not had another referee come out, they'd have been fine. You know, because yeah, Roman took okay. out the first one. He knocked out the first one. So if that guy didn't didn't come out to replace him so quick, they might have been okay. That referee just came back because he expected Reigns to get out quick, but we all know that it did not. It was not a quick and process. And Owens looked stupid, too. Like, he yeah. just, he, as soon as Reigns got up, he just ate his spear. Or he gave a spear to Owens, and I'm like, okay. Or it wasn't a guillotine. Guillotine. Yeah, which, you know, yeah. I could kind of go on to bat for KO here. If we're talking about a real-life thing, like, you can get caught in a guillotine and get choked out. I don't mind. Like, if it was just, like, a little spear or whatever, but, like, you know, you got caught in a submission. I'm not, but this is, this is Kevin Owens, though. Like, <laughs> like, he's had so much, like, in-ring-like experience. Like, oh, a little guillotine submission right after being handcuffed is going to get him? In a last man standing match, that's bullshit, but it's okay. Yeah. Whatever. Reigns is still the badass chief he is, I guess, but Owens that needs to great get Great gimmick. Soon. I think yeah, it's like the great gimmick. I think it's like the best gimmick going in W you know, the main roster anyway. Best gimmick going. I'll talk about the the best gimmick in NXT when we get to it because uh it's it, it needs to be talked about once we get to that segment. So finally, I, I couldn't stay uh, away anymore. This this card looked fantastic on paper, so I had to predict it. A very predict, decently predictable card. I'm not going to say that any of the outcomes surprised me. One did, and we'll get to that. Um, but it still really didn't at the same time. But I pretty well I predicted four of the five matches correctly. Uh, so it was not a unpredictable show. Well, I mean, the ending was was something too. But and we'll get to that. And that was that was something I did not predict. But as far as the outcomes for the matches go, I pretty well everybody who most of the people I thought who were going to win did win. 
But that's not necessarily a bad thing if it makes sense. Like, I know Brandon, our friend and other co-hosts, likes to trash predictability and how it takes them out of stuff. But if it makes sense for the long-term story, I don't think, like, predictability is all that bad in wrestling if it's done decently. What do you think about that? I, I think sometimes predictability is fine if it makes sense in the grand scheme of course, like, what the plans the whole, are. You know. you know, the whole match with O'Reilly and Ballard, like, we all knew O'Reilly wasn't going to win yet. Yeah. But, oh, like, the but the best part of it is, like, oh, what if there was a chance, you know? That's what why we kept watching. Like, oh, man, it, he, he has a chance to beat Ballard, but we all knew deep inside it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it was still a great ride to go through. Like, you know, we, we can see that O'Reilly is capable of winning the world title in NXT and especially after you know uh the pay-per-view like oh shit he really could win the world title now so we'll see yeah well i think that the the most important thing about that that match in hindsight back at takeover 31 was like even though he lost he really got put over as like okay this guy can actually wrestle as a singles like, yeah even, even and... in loss it put him over as like a future title contender and eventual winner i think i think it set him up pretty good the Rhymes were on the wall anyway. Like, if you followed him through ROH and New Japan, like, he's been taking the ROH title. Uh, he, t- I think he fought um, Adam Cole, actually, he did. for the ROH title in uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So it's it's just obvious that Kyle Riley can get it done in tag or, or in singles. He's just that good. Yeah, it's like he's got to work his way to be in the singles guy, though. They, they keep him in a tag team forever. Oh, yeah, of and course. Eventually, they give him, like, the babyface run, like, after years of putting in tag team work, which is fine. I mean, a lot of guys had that, yeah. had that happen. So, well, we'll get to Kyle at the end of this show because he did have a presence at the end of the takeover. So, we started with, of course, the... I got I got two matches right on the match order, and then it all fell apart on the third one when the tag teams went before the women. <laughs> but for the opener and the North American title match, I got the match order right. It was good for two matches, and the third one is when it fell apart, except for the main event. But I got two match orders right for once. I actually got the opener right for once. Usually I always fucking get that wrong. But it was, in fact, the women's final to the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, the women's tournament. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, the heels, which I'm going to have to talk about <laughs> and point out, against the <laughs> babyface team of Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Let's say I thought they were the babyface team in this match. Then the match happened, and I was completely confused because I'm going to talk about that. So for a good portion of this here bout, um, Raquel Gonzalez got, like, a few big, like, power spots that, like, you know, 2006 Batista or... 2005 Bobby Lashley or what? Oh three Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. We're talking. We're talking powerhouse again. There's a lot been a lot more of the men that have been powerhouses than women, but she got those like big pop spots where she's tossing the smaller girls around and like you you want people to to boo that and she's like kicking ass all over the ring like she's doing like pop spots like yeah this is stuff that you know would definitely get a casual crowd who may not know wrestling at all like you know to cheer like or excited like even the regular fans would cheer because she was beeling these women all over the place so she's throwing them around and then eventually dakota gets tagged in because she's kind of like the you know the hbk to raquel's diesel um So That's true. She, she That's gets, very true. She gets in there and she starts working and it's really weird because all of a sudden Ember and Shotzi are working her over and like double teaming her like as if they're like the revival against the Young Bucks or something. And it's like they're working her <laughs> over and beating her down and like Dakota is trying valiantly 
to get to Raquel, trying valiantly to get there. And then she's using counters to get out of stuff because she's a very good worker. She knows what she's doing in there. She gets some sick counters. They, 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 she gets so close, they cut her off again. And then eventually Raquel does, in fact, get the, the big hot tag and she runs wild again for a oh while. But she gets I the hot tag and you hear booze, Brady. I'm like, yes. why do they play the, the booze on a hot tag? They I mean, built... I know they're heels, but like... <laughs> yeah, but you built up the hot tag on camera. Like, it was a very <laughs> a significant part of the psychology of the match, which was completely ass-backwards. Like, I thought going into the show that, like, Kai and Gonzalez, they're the villains. They're the bad the bad women in this this particular rivalry yeah, that's you watch this match if you yeah. watch this match with no context you would have thought they were the good guys the clear-cut babyface team but they weren't it was very weird and then all of a sudden the action just starts getting kind of wild where everybody's hitting a bunch of stuff um i think like ember moon shortly thereafter ended up hitting an eclipse on was it uh, raquel that it she was hit raquel, it, uh, it was raquel yeah. right it was early on she she got it and Shotzi, you know, bless her heart, she tries doing some really crazy stuff. I recall a sliced bread number two that didn't look the greatest. Oh my god, she yeah. almost died. I wrote a note on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, bless her heart, she was doing some stuff. It, it did not look the greatest. Like, there was some sloppy moments here, but it wasn't ever, like, too bad to where I completely got out of it. I just was like, okay, that didn't look too smooth. You know, and it was mainly from from Shotzi trying to do stuff that's like I don't know, I don't want to say it's way outside of her wheelhouse, but she was definitely taking some risks that were you know unnecessary. Like, but it's takeover. Like, five stuff like mm -hmm. very very like uh, daredeviling. You know, I mean that's her character, I guess that she's you know out there and all. But mm -hmm. in the ring, I mean she she looks like she's actually gonna die from those spots. So, so. we we they, you know the women they trade some stuff back and forth. I thought I thought. Um, you know, a couple of, even though it was kind of ridiculous to the psychology of the match, a couple of the double teams that Ember and Shotzi did on Dakota Kai where they, like, you know, they double take her down by the leg and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was kind of some innovative offense that they were doing as a team, which makes me hope that, you know, they eventually just, like, like the cruiserweight title. They just take the women's tag titles and put it on NXT because that's the show that actually deserves those belts and has the talent that's worth having those titles yeah, around for I mean, that's what the winner of this tournament ends up getting is a shot at those belts. Hopefully it's a way to transition those titles to going to NXT because uh, they're just, it's just like nothing's going on with them on Raw and SmackDown. And it's like, yeah, they've spot. always been accessories. Like it's just, it at never best, meant anything. At best they've been accessories, you know? <laughs> so like, and then uh, there was, there was uh, a, a brutal, I think it was like a, a doomsday device of, of something on the, on the outside. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. That was like a, yeah, it was a, yeah, there was a doomsday device outside. And then I think, yeah, I, yeah, that's why I put down my notes here. Yes. Something else happened. I forgot though. Um, it, it eventually comes to the point where like Raquel does another comeback and she like just beals Ember Moon like right into the, like the dashboards off this like big stage thing that they had connected to the ring. It kind of looked very similar to that like like ramp that AEW has on Dynamite and their shows. They had like this big yeah I noticed big, that too. big like, fancy ramp. They... It's connected ramp. to the ring too. Yeah, so. it's a big fancy ramp, and so like Raquel just hauls ember off the stage and she goes crashing and burning she's done she's I thought taken that was out. hilarious <laughs> and uh shotzi tries some stuff but she gets overwhelmed by a double team from dakota kai and raquel gonzalez they do some double team stuff and then it eventually leads to raquel hitting her big goozle like choke slam move thing that she does 
and she pins, but then Dakota also helps with the pin, which I'm pretty sure is illegal. But it I guess they're, I, but I guess they're heels, so they can they can do it because they're booked to win. I don't know. Pretty sure that's illegal. But I won't question it. They they get the pin. They win the Dusty Cup for the women, the first ever Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic for um for the women. The so women. It's, it's a big yeah. deal. So they're gonna get a shot against Shayna Baszler and Nia My Whole Jax. Now, <laughs> I don't know. Did you hear anything about that about from for freaking Raw last week or who didn't? I know, like, right? It's all over like the internet. Like most I over she's ever been. One day, and that was the reason why. Like most... it was trending. Oh my god, <laughs> most it, it was trending out of out of the wrestling like category. It was trending worldwide. I'm like, holy shit! This my whole thing is. Oh yeah. man! But they're like running the joke into the ground last uh, last Friday. Let's, let's not forget that that was supposed to be Lana's big like return win after months of getting put into a table, and yet everybody's just talking about what Nia said like like a goofball, and like nobody remembers that Lana got a a, a tables win after freaking months of build. It's just like it was a lame that... table spot too. It was just a little like push or yeah, shove or yeah, the it, table. it was brutal. But those are your, but, has been like thrown into like or driven through these tables like just the smallest. But this, this like, giant woman spot. complaining about her hole is one half of your <laughs> reigning women's tag team champion. So that is one of the one half of the people. I mean, and then poor Shayna, she's fucking done nothing of note <laughs> after the Becky Lynch feud. Unfortunately, she's just there. Former I don't get it. MMA I don't know why fighter not booking her. Yeah, like it's the easiest thing. She's one of Ronda's like girls, so like I don't see why they're not booking her like uh, I thought they would as soon as she like, got it's, called it's up. It's so easy. Have her pull off like it pro is. wrestling versions of like actual MMA submissions and have her tap people out and just kill everybody. Because she probably could in real life with, <laughs> with these. So it's I don't know, but she's there with Nia and they're this weird odd couple tag team who's doing better. That's who Dakota and Raquel get to challenge. And let's like they're gonna take the belts from him. Um, I'm just hoping that maybe there's like a, just some lame babyface team that WWE throws at Shayna and Nia and then they can win. And then like, they'll just be quick transitional champions who just lose to Dakota and Raquel. Unless of course it leads to nowhere and Dakota and Raquel just lose their, their tag title shot and it goes nowhere, but it just gives Raquel a big victory on the takeover before she goes on to face Io Shirai for the women's title. Could be that way too. Could have just gave her an accolade that really goes to nowhere as far as winning the belts is concerned. Could really go one of two ways, and I'm not entirely sure which side it's gonna go. Guess we gotta tune in <laughs> the next yeah in the next few weeks and see where it goes. But I'd say either a they they do whether they beat Shayna and Nia, whether they beat a transitional babyface team that comes after them, or. It goes nowhere. They they have one one and done shot that they don't win the belt, and then just Raquel goes on to bigger and better things. That being challenging for the NXT Women's Title. It's just what? interesting they're putting two heels together for this uh, occasion for mm-hmm. this uh, tag team like a uh, title defense. So yeah, well, I guess they were giving the babyface one to the men, so the the women had to be different. So you think they're gonna like uh, turn face the uh, Raquel Gonzalez and uh... no. Dakota? No, I don't. I don't think. Well, someone has face. to wrestle face in this match. If it happens, as I said, there's no, there's no guarantee that it's going to be Shayna and Nia they challenge. They could lose the belts before Dakota and Raquel ever get their shot. We don't know. Oh, you're right. Go. Well, yeah. Is there any challengers for um? What's the next paper elimination? Yeah, I believe any... Lana and Naomi are your current number one contenders. Oh God. To... 
to the women's tag team titles for that pay-per-view. Yes, I, yeah, I can hear your excitement, Gabe. The fact that that match exists. But I'd that... rather just have, like, Dakota and Raquel just be faces for just for that one match and just then bring that... back to NXT. And then yeah. be heels I'm hoping they shit. do end up winning because at least, like, we can hope that they take the belts with them and they just stay with NXT and they adopt those titles like they did the Cruiserweight belt. Mm-hmm. It's the best case scenario, but we don't. I don't know where it's gonna go. We I feel like see. they are gonna lose it to Lana and uh, Naomi because I don't think they want to look weak to the NXT like wrestlers. Because mm-hmm. you know it's Shayna and Nia, oh Nia Jax. You know my whole Nia Jax. So they have credibility in you know the casual wrestling audience compared to Raquel and Dakota. I will give Shotzi one thing. She does have a nice looking senton. I did like the the time when she did break up one of uh, Dakota Kai's pin attempts with uh, the big, big senton off the top. I think that's like the one top rope move she does that actually looks uh, fairly decent. Forgot to mention when that. When Shotzi gets were... called up, she's gonna make a lot of money for the main roster. She is marketable, just losing charisma, marketable, she's marketable. She exactly. Talk. She stands out against any any woman in WWE right now. Like even main I roster. I kind of really don't want her to go up though. I... <laughs> oh, I don't either. She she defines the NXT women's division. Like you know, you know how Triple H wanted to, you know the punk rock aesthetic. Like she's I, definitely. The I face think of Triple that. H is very high on Shotzi Blackheart. Oh, that's, I, that's I, a I, given, Brady. I think she he, he's very high on her, and he sees big things for her on the black and gold brand so hopefully she goes nowhere yeah um, she just needs to wrestle better you know under nxt main roster she can wrestle like that and we'll still think she's good you know i else, i badly. think is as beautiful as the eclipse is i think like like that's got to shorten ember moon's career hitting that fucking thing for every match i oh. eh? like that's like like a big top rope flying fucking stunning where you land on your ass from the top rope. Yeah, it's good, really but... going to mess up your tailbone uh, over time. <laughs> your spine. I can't imagine that's a great move to be pulling off all the time. But she knows it's over and people like it. So That's it the only thing is. that's getting her over at the moment, to be mm. honest. Uh, she br- They brought her back and then they you know they just they threw her into this with, with Shotzi. And then it seemed like she was going to get the Tony Storm spot. And then they just didn't. <laughs> and they went with Tony, which we'll get we'll get to her. Uh, shortly as we go on with this review. Um, I thought this was a very good opener. I, it's, it's whatever the opinion is, but most people ended up going with the women's title match as being the weakest of the show. I thought due to some, you know, maybe some sloppier moments and the, uh, the, the crispness not quite being there for this match, that this was like just slightly worse than the women's title match, but that's not, that's not a knock on this or the women's title match. This was a, the show with, a lot of very strong matches, which we'll talk about very soon, coming up next in the main event and the men's uh, finals. But I thought, even though it was very good, I thought that this was actually the, the weakest match of the show. But that's not a knock at any of these women. They worked hard. It was, it oh, was entertaining. Not. This it, match was it kept, very, it kept my interest. It was very enjoyable. Yeah. But I just think in comparison to everything else on the show, I think it was just by default the weakest. And that's not a knock. You know, with no, every no. show, there's got to be one match that's like the lesser of, of what of what you watched. And for me, it was this. And some other people were saying it was the women's title match for it being uh, a lot of time getting cut off of it and it being too short. Um, but I still thought this is very good stuff from from all these ladies. Like like literally, we're talking a quarter of a star difference <laughs> mm-hmm. from the women's that's title match. True. What's your final analysis on this uh, women's finals, Gabe? So. Yeah, I, I agree with you definitely. Like this match, I mean, it was the opener, so like it just kept me like open-minded still. But it was still a great match. Uh, of course, they did you know some fuck-ups, but especially with you know why why are the faces like 
you know, working yeah. on the leg and like making the hot tag for the heels, but whatever. That's that's uh, I guess they want to try something new. But other than that, it's uh it was still an enjoyable match. And uh, they had some really cool spots and you know, the right team won. Definitely so, uh, the right team won. Yeah. So I give it a thumb up, you know. Nothing oh, yes. nothing bad. Yes, yeah. This gets the old proverbial like I, I give it the the thumb and a half, so to speak. The thumb and a half, solid thumb and a half. Um but that's also another knock I'm going to have was that the psychology was so backwards in terms of how it was the matches laid out and work that like, I kind of have to knock it a bit because like mm-hmm. if it had perfect psychology, I'd have rated it higher, but I, I was kind of confused with Ember and Shotzi's offense and kind of like how Dakota Kai was fighting from under and Raquel Gonzalez is getting hot tags despite the fact that they're heels, but it was what it was. The right team won. They're getting a shot at the women's uh, tag team titles at some point, and I think this is just kind of done to kind of give Raquel Gonzalez a big highlight moment, a big accolade before she eventually goes on to challenge Io Shirai because I think she's next in line. Which we'll talk yeah, about. Mm-hmm. what this also proves to me, Dakota Kai can be a good tweener one day, and it's kind of hard to find a really good tweener in wrestling. Like you know, there's there's Dean Ambrose and Finn, and you know, and the one of the greatest wrestlers in WWE is what the Stone Cold, and he's known for being you know. Just a badass anti-hero, so yeah. it just proves that Dakota can be a good one, but we'll see. I still think like uh, um, Moxley and Balor, they kind of lean on being like pure baby faces in terms of their ass. Oh, really? I I think so. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. This is the best Finn Balor I've seen so far. He is and the D- best. Dean Ambrose as well. Yeah, or John Mo- Moxley. Yeah, I mean. Moxley's been doing great work in AEW. Definitely, I am not surprised if he ends up winning the Observer's Wrestler of the Year for 2020. I don't see anybody else winning that award. Maybe I'll do like a little show talking about those those results when they come out in March. But anyway, we go on to the the next match of this particular show, which is the NXT North American Championship match. Johnny Gargano defends against Kushida. So Kushida comes out, gets the big takeover entrance. You know, he's in the, he's decked out in his Back to the Future gear to come out. You know, he's a time splitter, you see. And then there's Johnny and his faction, <laughs> the way, they are the celebrating best. and getting all pumped up backstage. They're being as lame as possible. Beat they're annoying on, <laughs> they're annoying on, per, they're annoying. They are annoying to perfection in the way where it's like those fucking people go, are just like, yeah, I know, I know. I was trying to get my words, <laughs> my words there, but they, they are they're doing this role so perfectly where you are annoyed by them, but you're like, yeah, it's still fucking entertaining. You know, it's like they are pretty, they are really good. So they, they start pumping themselves up, you know, as they all go to enter, there goes Dexter Loomis and he chloroforms Austin theory, seemingly kidnaps him behind because Johnny Candace and Indy are all walking to come out. So he like Dexter Loomis, like a cartoon character, just nabbed Austin theory as they are walking to go through the main they're curtain. All characters. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know, uh, to be fair, but like Loomis really stands out. Like I, I've never heard of a kidnapper babyface before. I haven't. Yeah, we you were know? just talking about this. Like it's just really weird. It's a really weird gimmick. A, a so face. I'm supposed to cheer a guy who used a chloroform rag and knocked a guy out and then and then took him against his will. I didn't know that was it's heroic. Been like that for a while, like ever since he debuted, which is weird. Like they it, never made him a heel, like in any. He's so, it's been almost a year. He's positioned as a babyface doing this stuff. It's just it's weird. I never, I didn't know taking somebody against their will was heroic. I didn't know I was supposed to cheer for that, but maybe I am. So he gets them. They they go out on the the front. Uh, they go out on the stage. Johnny's ready to enter, but then they notice that Austin Theory isn't with them. They look around for him. 
You gotta go find him, Johnny says. He's sending his he's sending his wife and her girlfriend to harm's way. He's gonna make them go look for Dexter while he goes and wrestles this match. Isn't that putting them in harm's way? He just took out big big strong man Austin Theory. Now he's sending a couple chicks for Dexter Loomis. He's gonna chloroform them too, Johnny. Hopefully he went and checked on his, his wife and, and Indy after this match and he and he had his uh, successful title defense. Yes. They never brought it back uh, later on I know. the show. Like, they never said anything about it, which is I just, as, he, as he sent Candace and Indy there, I just couldn't think of, like, that's not safe for them. You gonna have them go look for that fucking creep while you wrestle? Jesus, well, John. We'll just have to tune in Wednesday, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll see the backstage footage of what happened to Candace and Indy because they didn't come back out either. Let me point no, that they, out. They did not. Oh Nobody came back out, so maybe uh, Dexter did, in fact, kidnap all of the way. I want to see the hostage footage on Wednesday. Maybe that'll get me to tune in over AEW, seeing I the hostage footage. About, about the Way's like little like entrance because of how great this match was. Like as soon as it ended, I'm like, oh damn, yeah, I, I forgot all about the Way. Like they didn't come <laughs> out to celebrate with him or anything. Like, oh, well, the shit. reason that you forgot about the entrance was because Johnny gets in there. He's been booked as a chicken shit North American champion since he won the belt. So forever now, he's been positioned as like this guy who hides behind his wife and 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 their friends, and they do all the bidding for him, and he just squeaks by. But then he comes out here at Takeover, and he's like Johnny Gargano from 2018, 2019, and him and Kushida go on to have a hell of a match, which, as you pointed out, did not start with a lockup, but then they did end up locking up shortly thereafter. Um, that was weird. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I, I thought it was going to go straight into like the works, but okay, I guess they're going to lock up. But it didn't take long. They did, in fact, lock up. And then there was a lot of chain wrestling at Good the chain start. Wrestling, that it, is. But it's like Good the chain smoothest wrestling. chain wrestling you're ever going to see. I'm so not effortless. Most chain wrestling from main rest, uh, main roster is just really, not this really good. damn boring. <laughs> yeah, not this, this is good. amazing. This, this had a, like, their pace for the wrestling was quick. Like, they were moving in that ring they were it was it was crazy um so uh, again it, it was basically a, a very similar to the main event in the sense that it was kind of like body part versus body part but mainly kushida working on johnny's arm so in the lead mm. up to this um kushida kind of attacked johnny after mr regal had booked uh, the north american title match and in this uh johnny tweaked his arm and then tried to pretend that it was broken which it wasn't. It was just his excuse to try and get out of the match, which Kushida exposed on television. But they still played it up as if Johnny's arm was a little hurt. And Kushida, in fact, I think Johnny even had it like um, he might have had it slightly taped up too, if I if I remember correctly. But Kushida focuses on this arm and tries to get him in either any form of armbar he could do. But he's also trying for the hoverboard lock. But there were times where he would go for a cross arm breaker. There were times where he'd go for a Fujiwara. He was trying to do any form of like MMA style armbar submission to try and put Johnny away. But what was interesting was Johnny always had a counter for it and was always able to use his wrestling mind to get out of these predicaments. But then Kushida is also a, a great grappler and he would find a counter to that. So it was like it was very much a seesaw battle in a lot of ways. Very fast paced. Kushida was flipping all around that ring. Like every time, like Johnny would like throw him forward into the ropes. He do the 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 what do they call it? the the ham the backflip hamstring like the big flip uh, back elbow. He'd uh, go for that. Yeah, the handspring. Yeah, um, 
I knew it had yeah, a name. Album, yeah. <laughs> he went for that a few times. He caught Johnny with uh, a couple clean. He like he he was just flying around the ring, and he would catch Johnny with a couple like a, a German suplex, and Johnny would take it. It was just it, it was awesome. And there were times where Johnny would also try and match Kushida on the submission game, and he would try and go for the Gargano escape. And there were times where he did almost like slightly lock it in, but Kushida always made sure that Johnny couldn't fully get the submission in. And the times where both guys did end up locking their respective submissions on the other, they would build to this really dramatic rope break to where you think, okay, does he got him? Does he got him? Oh man, he actually made it to the ropes. Like uh, that, that happened a couple times. It happened once for when Johnny got the Gargano escape on Kushida and it happened during uh, one really close near fall for Kushida in terms of a near submission where he kind of had Johnny clean in kind of like a modified version of the hoverboard lock where it was much more on the ground. Like Kushida wasn't kind of hanging from him. So basically it was almost like a Fujiwara armbar is what he had him in, just slightly elevated. And then Johnny with the back of his foot makes the, the bottom rope to, to break it up. Um, there was a point in this match where both guys get to the top rope and Kushida looks to do like a front suplex or like some sort of superplex from the top. But Gargano pulls a uh, Kevin Owens and does like the twisting Tower of Doom style superplex yeah, off uh, the top. That's his wife's uh, indie finisher. Is Mr. that? Toad's, yeah, Mr. Toad's uh, Wild Ride. Mm. Yeah, I remember Kevin Owens using that in in NXT. Yeah, he used it and, too. And a couple of his like uh, like he doesn't use it anymore. I'm talking like his first year on the main roster, and uh, pretty yeah, much I, all I of his it. big NXT matches he would use it. Like in particular, I remember him hitting John Cena with that big crazy twisting superplex uh, in their. Money in the Bank 2015 match. It might have even happened in the first time they wrestled each other, too, at the uh, Elimination Chamber show back in 2015. I just, I remember Kevin Owens using that move in his early NXT days. So that happened. Well, hmm? I think oh, go, Kevin go Owens would do, yeah, he would do like a, a suplex lift before he would, you know, turn around. All Johnny and um, Candice would do, they would just do a neckbreaker like variation. Yeah. So yeah. So that's but still, what he did. It looked cool. He 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 had a, it was it had a twist motion in the air and he hit the big suplex. Kushida, I think, hit a a um he hit like, it looked like a Michinoku driver or something on Johnny on the outside, which kind of led into. Them. Oh, it was a Falcon Arrow. Yeah, it was a Falcon Arrow. It was Seth Rollins' uh, specialty move there. Hit hit him with that on the outside, which led to them kind of having the struggle on the top rope they do in fact grapple towards the end of this bout and which was really cool and it was I really didn't cool that yeah they, they kind of turned it up a notch and then they end up going to the outside and kushida kind of disappears and it kind of focuses on johnny who's trying to gain his wits about him he'd gotten some space and then like the great japanese wrestler kushida is he does the old new japan all japan let's run from the ramp <laughs> and clock this guy as as uh, as I run towards him, build up a steam of momentum, and just plow into Johnny, and he did that. Just ran into him and bulldozed him. It was a great spot. And I traded some more stuff in the ring, and I I really like the finish, even though it was not my prediction. <laughs> but so Kushida does in fact end up successfully getting the hoverboard lock in again. But he's so close to the ropes, he's hanging, and he's like an inch above the ropes. So Johnny just kind of drops a bit. And Kushida gets throated. He gets kind of guillotined by the rope on his throat. And he falls to the outside. And he's 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 all choked up. And Johnny with that, you know, that big ring IQ was able to know that and was able to use the ropes to his advantage to escape. 
And Johnny hits the one final beat on that, uh, you know, that pretty ramp we talked about earlier. Hits it outside. And then he gets back into the ring. He waits for Kushida to kind of get, get his wits about him. And as Kushida looks to enter the ring again, Johnny hits it. Hits one final beat. And DDT one more time in the ring. Pins Kushida to retain the NXT North American title. And it's of note that for once, Johnny actually defended a title at a takeover without losing it in his first defense. He usually always does. So I thought, I thought Kushida was going to win because usually Johnny makes it to the first takeover and he drops the thing. So the one time where he actually retains, of course, I bet against him. Even though I did say I wouldn't be surprised if they kept the belt on him, my full prediction was Kushida winning the belt here. I kind of feel he should have. Uh, unless you're building to a rematch, unless this is a one-and-done, I feel really bad for Kushida if it's a one-and-done because he had the best match of his NXT career here. I thought this was the best match he's had. So this was a great, a really great match. I just, it just sucks that Kushida, his character is, uh, it's just shuffling between, uh, everywhere right now because he was the hottest thing when he debuted. He had a great theme and they were booking him strong until Walter came in the picture. And then now he's in 205 Live and he came back to NXT and he has an identity crisis. Like, this is weird stuff that I didn't expect Kushida would be in, uh, ever since he debuted. So, uh, I feel like. Yeah, he, he had a great match and everything, but his character is just something that I don't really believe in. I knew he wasn't going to win the belt, for sure. What's your issue but... with his character, exactly? What's your issue with it? So, he was just... Okay, so in New Japan, he was always this, like, oh, he was the uh, the definition of a, a junior heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a super junior in uh, In fact, New he Japan. held the belt, did he not? Like, a couple times? Yeah, he like... was. he's one of the greatest, uh, you know, junior heavyweights there. Uh, junior heavyweight uh, champions. And then he comes to NXT... Still a badass, still being Kushida, and then the, his identity crisis character. Oh, this is the real Kushida, you know. That says uh, Vic Joseph, and I'm like, is, is this the real Kushida? Like he's wrestling in a what's it called, uh, wife beaters, and just having more anger. Like we we can all have anger and all, but I don't know his Kushida being angry, uh, almost basically every time now i don't know if he's of, like uh, super angry i just think he's like just he's a little he more, more grit he's yeah. a little more aggressive in terms of like how he works over the body and stuff which is like i would say it would be bad if he couldn't pull it off but i think like his 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 ability in the ring and getting aggressive with the submissions doesn't look fake or that he's like forcing it it looks doesn't look oh no bad. that's no he's definitely uh making the submissions look good it's just his character like him being more grittier and you know Do you just fierce. think he should be much more just like clean cut baby face you think that just suits him the best is just being like that's how i saw him in um mm-hmm. new japan and how everyone else enjoyed him so uh i don't know i'm not i, I thought i wasn't alone on this because um i saw some uh podcasts talking about this like oh okay cool i'm not alone on this opinion but hey everyone likes uh, some people like him some people don't you know i i, I i've been a fan I just wanted them to give him a push, and I thought this was going to be the beginning of it. I thought, okay, they're going to put him against Johnny, and they're actually going to have him win the North American belt, and he's going to get a fucking run with this thing. And that's what they're going to do to really, like, rehab the stop-start for the last year with him. They Could started... have been possible, but they didn't give him the belt. Which I know. Is, uh... Which I, I, was, know. I, I found flabbergasted. I thought, like, for sure. Like, because Johnny don't need the belt to be he's, – he's a made man. In NXT, yeah, no matter what he does, regardless if he wins or loses, he's always going to have that top tier spot in NXT, no matter what. Kushida is really trying to get that one big win in accolade to really cement himself on the brand, and I thought this would have been a great way to do it. Yeah, he had a great performance, but he still came up with the L. I thought yeah, so that 
I thought he should have won here. And I don't know if I'm in the minority of that opinion, but I really think he should have won. I I don't think he should have lost, but I feel like I, I just didn't believe that he would have won. If he would have won, I would have been happy. Like that would have been awesome. Like and like you said, they could have, you know, taken it somewhere, you know, and it's just that I just knew that he wasn't gonna win. And that's just me. I just feel what? like Yo, go that, on. Yeah, there just needs to be something with his character, not just this grit thing, you know, just to really make him feel more believable. Or maybe maybe he could have more believable feuds. Um, I think uh, example is uh, Keith Lee. Uh, I didn't really believe in him when he got debuted in NXT, even though I knew he was a badass in the indies. And then he had that rivalry with Di- uh, Dijak or Dijakovic, and that's what made him a star in NXT. So I feel like he needs to find that, I guess, rivalry or find that storyline. I, I think. Make him I think it was even that... more than the Dijak stuff. I think what really happened for Keith Lee was him aligning with Tommaso Ciampa against the Undisputed Era and kind of plowing through those guys. The Survivor, oh, yeah, that se- the Survivor Series finished with Roman Reigns. There was a couple of big moments that he had in the fall that really got people to notice him. Um, and then he had the match with Dijak in, in Portland, which was a fucking hell of an opener. Probably the best opener for a takeover all year, in my opinion. It was the best opening match. I that forgot that was last year. <laughs> yeah, it was already a year ago. Year. It's crazy, right? Damn. But yeah, time so... Flies. <laughs> and then he just kind of plowed through everybody as the North American champion and moved up to win both belts, beating Adam Cole. And he just, he had a, a really good rise, I thought. A really good, progressive, natural rise. And it began with him kind of getting slotted for the North American title and winning it. You know, that's what I thought they were going to do with Kushida here, but apparently not. And what I'm really kind of worried about is that this is a one and done for Kushida and they just kind of put him back in that cruiserweight spot where he barely gets any TV time and they just kind of phase him out and then they just fully focus on Dexter Loomis being Gargano's next North American title challenger. I hope it leads to a rematch. I hope it leads to a rematch with Kushida and in his second try he wins, but I'm I'm not hopeful for it. I think Loomis is who they're going to put against Gargano next and then that's who he's going to fucking drop the belt to is the kidnapper. Missed opportunity know, he here. Could win it. He could win it, um, Kushida. I feel like that would be over a TV sh- uh, TV taping, though. I feel like that would be a great, like, spike in viewership. Could in my be. Opinion. But I think winning on a big show is a, a special thing, and they, they blew their opportunity to do it here. And it's like, first takeover title match, winning the, the second big one. Winning the secondary title in, like, his takeover title match debut. It would have been a big deal, but, hey, what do I it know? <laughs> what do I know, right? I was disappointed by the outcome. Uh, this is I, I love Johnny, but this was not a match I wanted him to win, and of course he fucking won. But as far, winner aside, I thought this match was fantastic. As far as NXT and WWE goes, it is a surefire match of the year contender, in my opinion. And I'm going to go out on record and say as much as I love the main event, I loved this match just a little bit more. This was my personal match of the night from this show again a lot of people are going to love the main event or even the uh the men's tag team finals i get that those are the matches getting a lot of glowing reviews right now and i thought they were both great as well but on a match with great shows sometimes there are matches that you prefer just a little bit over the others and again we're only talking a quarter star difference here you know just that that little bit more i did like this match uh the most i thought it was fucking fantastic I thought this was like the Johnny of old. I thought it was like a coming out party for Kushida, and I hope they fucking keep it up and keep giving him spotlight matches like this and keep building him, because if it's a one-and-done, I feel really bad for him. Yeah, sure, you got your great takeover match against Johnny Takeover, but, like, we know Kushida can do something in NXT. 
you know, and I just think it'd be a blown opportunity if they don't they, they don't give him the secondary title at some point. I really do. What do you think, Gabe? Your final analysis on this match and where both Johnny and Kushida go from here after your analysis. What do you think? I've been thinking, like, how else could they, you know, get Kushida over? Because it's just very difficult, you know, in the spot, especially right now. But, um, I mean, hey, he's... He, they could pull it off. They, NXT knows how to really, you know, shine their stars if they really go for it. So, um, go, for, go for them. So, um, yeah, hopefully Kushida can... Uh, shine brighter especially from this match because this match was in my opinion as well match of the night like uh yeah you weren't kidding like i saw the rest of the matches and i'm like okay let's see how they can compare to you know johnny Kushida oh so you're and... actually in agreement with me you you i also agree that this was the the, the best match of the show oh definitely yeah, yeah. Okay, i was sweet. gonna rate it like uh <laughs> two thumbs up because this is a like a wrestling clinic classic oh, yes. like on the, on its showcase, like it, it was a long front. match too. I think it, it might have been. I don't know if the main event was longer. It didn't or not, feel long. But it, that's, it, that's I know. How I, know that is, yeah, I knew it was long because when I looked at the clock, it was significantly far past when I last looked at it when the match was done. So I was like, "Holy <laughs> fuck!" But like the match flew by. Clock. I was I was looking at the screen the entire time. I just I just. I only looked at it because I, I just like keeping track of, of time. And I was just wondering what the time was at the time the match started. And then when I look up after the match is done, I'm like, oh, that's a significant amount of time that the, the clock had passed by. I don't know. The main event might have been as long or longer, but I, I this felt like it was like the longest match of the show. And it didn't fucking feel like it. I'll tell you that much. This, no, this match not. blew so by. This match was, uh, this match was de definitely, as I agreed with you, match of the night. Um, I just hope Kushida can go somewhere from same, here, like you said. Same. But I feel because he's gonna get. Was great. I feel like he's gonna get shafted though, and he's just gonna get pushed down, and then they're gonna go with like Loomis for Johnny's next challenge. It's just I just I wouldn't have be a surprised. Feeling, I just have a feeling, which would just be such a shitty thing, because I'd much rather see Kushida win the belt off Johnny than Dexter Loomis. And I, I'm not a Loomis hater, okay? Like I don't hate the guy, but I think there's more potential to be had in Kushida. As a babyface champion than Dexter Loomis, is that fair to say? Like, is that no, fair to say? You're definitely in the right. And I also like to add, I don't think Loomis is. I don't think it's his time yet. I don't think he's had enough like uh, storylines to really be put in a title picture yet. Like, he's been around for like a while now, but I just feel like, oh, he's you know, his injury really caught him up, uh, caught up to him too. Like, he's just, he's just that background like character who's yeah. always doing creepy things not even creepy like like weird things if you think about it he's not he hasn't been creepy like he was in tna and like usually characters oh. like that don't translate to very good champions ever like no, very maybe. rarely so it's like i don't know man i'd much rather see kushida in that spot so i hope they don't dump him i hope it's like I, what i'm hoping for best case scenario out of this is that this is like a long-term story for kushida to finally beat johnny in the end at some point but I don't have enough faith in them to push him after this. It just seemed like, oh, who can we give uh, Johnny a takeover? What's Kushida doing uh, for fucking this month? And then they booked him. Oh, that'll probably be fucking great for one show. And then that's it. That's my big fear. But I hope that this will end with Kushida eventually winning the title from Johnny. But I do think they're going to go with Dexter Loomis now going forward into the spring, unfortunately. But we'll see. Next, of course, was um, the finals to the men's. Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. MSK, the former Rascals from Impact and the Independent Circuit. Uh, they are now known as Wes Lee and Nash Carter. Carter, w yeah. Wentz and... Uh, what was their... their Wentz, Wentz and... and Trey. Yeah, Trey? yeah. Uh, Wentz and... Uh, oh, my God. 
I forgot because I'm not gonna lie. Went to Dez. I, I did look Dez. Dez was the uh, the other guy. Dez, Dez, yeah, Dez was the. Who the hell is Trey? Um, that might have been like one of their like last names where they have it full because like Wentz and Dez was like short form for like their full names on the independent circuit, whatever. Anyway, oh no, Trey's a former member. Trey oh, Miguel. okay. Trey Miguel, so he's still signed with uh, TNA. Mm, so the third Impact. member of MSK or Impact, the third it's, member of uh, MSK is still signed with uh, it's, it's, Impact. It's crazy that Impact let these guys go, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but they did, and NXT signed them up. And NXT wants to really feature these guys as a premier tag team, and you can tell. So they came in. I was surprised that they're pushing them this much this quick. Like I, I'm not gonna lie. I just I knew that they were leaving Impact. Like mm -hmm. oh, they're, they're having a big goodbye. Like uh, in TNA or Impact, and I'm like, why are they? Who are these tag team like people? And then like, oh, they're going to NXT. I bet they're gonna take a while to like get something you know remarkably like well done and no they're already like winning the dusty cup and i'm like oh shit they're they, really pushing these guys they debuted, they're being like, veterans and all that so they debuted in the opening round they won every single match and looked pretty good leads to this finals with the grizzled young veterans and they had a high flying showcase there was a lot of stuff in this match um the dives that Lee was hitting, the big uh, tope over the top rope where he took out both guys and charged head head over, you know, chose a big thing of steam and then jumped like pretty much clear over the top rope and did like a like a you know front senton onto both guys and was fucking pumping like he was going fast, man. Yeah, I saw him do a spiral tap that you know AJ yeah. used to do. Holy yeah. shit! A spiral tap. What? So it, it it was it was just it, all the stuff that they were doing was just crazy stuff there was tons of dives and moonsaults and like the grizzled young veterans were kind of what was good about it was that this time the psychology made sense right so they would get their offense in and then either gibson or drake would do something to cut one of them off and really yeah. do the heel beat down thing so that so that when that that when when carter finally got the long awaited because they they beat on nash carter for a while they really worked him over for a prolonged period in this match. And you could just see Wesley waiting on the apron. He wants that tag. He wants to fly around that ring. But he's got to wait for that hot tag. Eventually, Nash Carter is able to escape uh, both veterans. Both uh, members of, of Grizzled Young. And he tags in Wesley for probably like the... If, you know, I thought Raquel Gonzalez had a fucking fantastic hot <laughs> tag. But Wesley's hot tag was even more amazing. He was flying all over the place. Just taking out both guys. His offense is... And you know what? With all the stuff they were doing, like, I'm surprised nothing really got fucked up. They were taking a lot of, like, high risk. Like, I know they, they know it was TakeOver, and this is their big, big moment, and they're winning the Dusty Cup. But, like, this offense was, like, to say a little dangerous was an understatement. There was a, a point, and this wasn't even, I guess it's, it's, it was up to Wesley to take this bump. But at one point in this match, they kind of isolated Wesley, and... They hoisted, uh, I think it was uh, Gibson hoisted him on his shoulders. Yeah. And Drake device. came off the apron with a doomsday device. And Wesley took the craziest fucking fall and coil up on your neck bump on the floor that I've ever seen. Somehow he didn't die. <laughs> Somehow. I don't know how he didn't die, but he survived it. And that was kind of how they beat on him for a while. And then, of course, both guys end up getting tagged in. He was out of the match for a while after that Doomsday device. Yeah, like they yeah. really worked him over for sure. 
And then eventually they come to the point where he tags in Carter and they, they kind of, they come back and they, they isolate, uh, Drake, I believe, or we did they isolate Gibson because shortly after they isolate one member of uh, JYV, they ended up pretty much right out of nowhere hitting their actual double team finish, which is like a doomsday heart attack blockbuster of sorts is what I would call it. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, you're not wrong at all. That's, that's you know, I don't know what, what they call it, like. but it's their double team finish. They've been using it on NXT to win. And I knew when they hit it on one of the, the veterans, it was over because every time they've hit that double team move, it's, it's won them a match in this tournament. So when I knew, and I didn't think grizzled young veterans were winning this Birch and Lorcan are the heel tag champs and MSK is clearly being positioned as a top babyface team. So I knew they were winning. And uh, so they, they pin, uh, I'm pretty sure it was, was it, was it, I'm pretty sure it was Gibson that they pinned in the end. They just, they isolated Drake and pin Gibson after the double team. I think it was Gibson. Yeah. So they pin him. They win the dusty cup. They have this big, massive celebration. They're next in line for Birch and Lorcan's NXT tag team titles. And mark my words, I think on their first shot, they're going to win the belts. I think they're getting the rocket uh, strapped. Right I think they're getting the rocket strapped right to the tag titles. I think they're going to win in their probably the first shot. Whether they save that for the next takeover in the spring or they do it on television, mark my words, MSK will defeat Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan sooner rather than later. Now, how do you how do you feel about them? You know, you like them in the ring and all that, mm-hmm. and they are pretty good. It's just how do you feel about them character or mic-wise? Well, I think they've, they've got good charisma in terms of body language and how they come out. Yeah. Their, their entrance looks really nice. And I think, you know, should they, they do more promos, I think they've got a natural swagger about them. I think that's something that will develop better with time and once they get more opportunities. It's really kind of too early to say, but I really do like what I see so far from them. I think they have a lot of potential from my that's point good. of view. Why do you, are you kind of unsure about them on the charisma department or what's the reason for the questioning seems like you have some uncertainties about them as a team what they're, would they're charismatic for sure like you know I, I agree with the body language and of course their in-ring work is phenomenal it's just uh me personally their uh their mic skills are just it reminds me of like i don't know a regular like tag team on uh aw dark you know those like indie guys that you know they're trying to get used to the big tv you know uh you know the camera shots and everything and fresh off the uh, off the indies and uh yeah that's how i feel about their mic skills but um i think over time they'll be better uh, I, f- I felt the same way with uh street profits but obviously they've got it down lock especially with um uh montez uh, even uh even uh who's the other guy god damn <laughs> talking about street, Pro- street profits oh angelo dawkins yeah, angelo dawkins yeah he's even doing better on the mic too so i i agree with the uh over time they'll get better on the mic uh, but I'm, I'm just so surprised that they're really raw, strapping the rocket to them now. And for sure, if they win the belts, if you predict that right. so I think they will win the title. So I think they're going to win their first shot. And I think it's because like Triple H knows he needs to kind of buff that tag team division. NXT's tag team division has taken a bit of a downturn in the last couple of years. And I think he wants to kind of revive it. And this is a big signing. And maybe by pushing them like this, he can maybe think that that'll convince other potential top tag teams on the independent circuit to sign with NXT. Oh, I never looked at it like that, so that's, you know? that's definitely interesting, yeah. So, just a theory, you know, that's, I'm not speaking uh, anything. I, I don't know what Hunter's thinking, or Paul, but I'm just uh, spitballing some ideas here for why he might be pushing them so hard and trying to rebuild the division that was seen as, you know, really, really great for the industry, and then got surpassed by the women's division, and now AEW is talked about as, like, the best North American 
tag division in in uh, in terms of televised wrestling anyway. Is there a tag team you'd like to see? Oh yeah, that's a uh, you know. I don't even know any. Right I don't I, like who isn't there yet. Oh, is it? Yeah. Would you like to see an NXT? I don't even know who is who is a big team that'd be a free agent that's not working for somebody right now. Is the better question. That is a better question. Yeah, who, who actually is a free agent tag team, or is going to be having their contract expiring with whatever promotion they're working for? A lot of them are going to probably be. It's probably going to be hard for NXT to sign tag teams over AEW. Man, I'm actually surprised yeah, MSK signed with them. A lot of teams are going to AEW because they just see the the quality of it and they want to be a part of that. And it's going to be hard for NXT to sign tag teams going forward i think and I don't oh know. i got one what's it called uh motor city if they're ever done with uh impact you know but right now they're kind of having all their, some AEW all their, all their with, friends uh, are in all elite you think they're really gonna go to nxt over AEW? all their friends i mean i would i would like to see the next ever since alex shelley debuted with the kushida i'm like oh snap and bring so in chris Saban. i would love to see that in nxt i grew up with the motor city machine guns and tna so i would love to see them anywhere on a big time television show, whether it be Dynamite or NXT, I'd like to see them anywhere. That's kind of like a, a big, big deal, you know. Like, like I don't want to shit on Impact, <laughs> okay? Like, I don't want to, or any promotion like that. But like AEW and WWE are kind of the, the promotions with the big money and the most exposure, and you want to see guys like that on that type of stage. No, oh, no discredit to any of the the smaller promotions, but you, you kind of get what I mean. There's a name that hasn't hit the big times yet, and that's the Briscoe brothers. I I haven't yeah. seen that on any television other than ROH. So them on NXT, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind with them uh, winning the belts day one. That makes the most sense. I could see. I don't know. Do you think the Briscoes would consider NXT? Oh, they've been ROH strong for like basically two decades. Forever. So, <laughs> for Jay yeah, even got they, his singles run. He even like was world yeah, champion for a while. Too. Yeah. So it's just amazing how they haven't signed with any big wrestling company yet. And they're known and, as one of the best tag teams. Yeah, so think about that. That just shows their talent. So they have been known as a top tag team on the independent circuit for 20 years despite never performing for a major league promotion. Just think about that for a second. Yeah, I would like to see the Briscoes on a big stage, but we'll see. I mean, they are getting older. They so. are getting really old. Like, it's... <laughs> the, the, their beers are getting almost fully grayed out, so... <laughs> so, like, I mean, you can still be an old badass, but, you know, wrestling, I like to... Bl unless it's main roster. But for stuff like AEW and NXT, it's a young man's game, man. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if it's main roster stuff, then you can bring back fucking 50-year-old Goldberg or whoever the fuck and just keep doing that, <laughs> but... Good thing we didn't review Royal Rumble. I would have went off on that uh, title match. Yeah, I drew one in the end and quick, so I fucking had, and I was just like, whatever, right? Like, if Goldberg <laughs> would have won the belt, then that's that's fucking something, but he didn't. So I had largely no issue with it. They got it out of the way right at the beginning of that show, and it was what it was. <laughs> I know, we're all that sick. That review was just as quick as that match. It was, it was actually. <laughs> Except I didn't go into a dasher board for a fucking split second before doing that little review, so... Anyway, we shall move on. Um, afterwards, we got the best uh, rap video ever in NXT history. Um, perhaps my favorite act and gimmick in all of NXT right now is the Million Dollar Grimes, baby. To the moon. <laughs> so, basically, the story goes, and I don't know if it's true, but this is hearsay. 
at least in character, Cameron Grimes bought GameStop shares that he found on Reddit and invested in GameStop in the stuff that went on not too long ago. There was like some wacky investment stuff where a bunch of people were putting in shares and getting tons of money off of some rich billionaires and all this stuff. It was this big, big, big stonks, stonks situation. And Cameron Grimes, and it was, I don't know if he actually did it in real life, but his character for sure invested in these GameStop shares. And now he's apparently loaded. Got a ton of money for every, he bought cheap stocks and sold them for top dollar. So I'm he not is surprised a, because if, if he did, because I know a couple of friends who did, you know, join in that GameStop AMC shenanigans and made a couple dollars off of it. Yeah, so, so I wouldn't if, be surprised if he, if made he actually did it in real life. Again, the jury's out on that. He might have, he might not have, but at least in character, that's what they're doing. That's how they're portraying him. And he yeah, came according at, to the <laughs> Observer. He's made big top dollar, or the, he's the most like. I've heard the joke that they're saying that he's the richest guy in NXT. Yeah, the right richest now. NXT. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard from uh, the Observer. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, and I trust the Observer. They've been credited for like fucking forty years. I mean, I get uh, I like to follow the news from them. There's a reason I like to go over the awards for them every year. It's like the big deal for like at least the internet wrestling community. Those are the awards that matter. And those are the people that, you know, are pretty creditable and have been journalists in the industry for a fucking very long time. But they're saying so, so I'll, I'll believe that I guess he did it. But it's it's translating to a great character because before he got hurt, I thought Cameron Grimes was hitting a stride with the To The Moon stuff and saying that, you know, just his promo cutting, his character was really developing nice. His hat fetish there for a while was fucking hilarious. He just found new ways to kind of find a way to get over when they started giving him more mic time. And then on Wednesday, the, the, the go home show to take over, he's talking about how he, you know, he's got these AMC shares. He, he, he figured out about these video games. He invested in these video games and now he's, he's rich kiss. What was it? Kiss my, uh, grits, kiss, kiss my, my grits. grits is what he was saying. And then that was the name of the rap song in which it's Cameron Grimes and a, by poolside, Swimming in fucking money. <laughs> I wouldn't be celebrating with cash. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it was brilliant. Yeah. He, he cut the best promo on the Wednesday before this, and then this rap. I just can't wait to see where this goes. Like I hope this just goes. I don't know where they're gonna go with it, but it's it's gold. I hope he keeps getting promo time. I hope he keeps talking about how rich he is, because this is awesome. This is a great gimmick. I thought he was already getting there before getting rich from oh, yeah, but now exactly the same thought i'm like no way he really just like multiplied no it was, it's not even multiply he like exponentially grew from this gimmick <laughs> in like one promo his return promo and then this rap video i'm so excited to see where it goes for him i hope he ends up winning a championship i think him wait, oh, wait. i definitely said in, in, in our group chat like he's definitely gonna win the na uh north american belt like i hope so year. i hope this so at year. some point he deserves it i thought he should have won it last year but now he really should win something he's gonna get something i guarantee it i guarantee my stocks on gamestop i <laughs> So, <laughs> to, to the moon. I just think this is this is great. I I cannot wait to see his promos going forward and who they. I guess he's cleared now. I mean, he, I guess they wouldn't have unless he's not cleared. And they're just gonna have him talk for a while, and he's still hurt. Well, but who he, he who would he feud with? You know, it's right a good now, point. He's, not, he's definitely not gonna go for Gargano. No, because it's heel versus heel, so that's not gonna happen. Mm-mm. So he's gonna uh, have some some side thing going on, and first. not to mention he just got off a feud with Dexter Loomis. We've seen that. Yeah, already. he just yeah, we've already seen that, and I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of 
Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. The, it wasn't the best, but like at the same time, Grimes made it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You made it work, and I mean, I didn't think I'd enjoy a fucking strap match with Dexter Loomis, and I actually thought Grimes worked that match pretty good and made it fucking more than watchable. It was not nearly as bad as I was expecting. I would say that that strap match exceeded my expectations. So maybe Definitely. just he'll do some some promos and just develop his character, and eventually, at some point. Maybe he'll get reinserted into the North American title picture once a babyface takes it off Johnny. I mean, mm. we'll, we'll have to see where it goes. I guess we'll find out on Wednesday. But I'm loving this gimmick so far, and we're only one week into it. So, <laughs> not even a full yeah. week, because this Wednesday would be a full week. So Yeah, it hasn't been a week. Yeah, you're right. And, I'm yeah, I'm just wondering who he could feud with, because uh, he's definitely – he, he has to have someone soon, because he can't just – rely off of this character and it's not even been a week yet so yeah we'll see so that was that and i look forward to to million dollar grimes going forward the reddit millionaire richest man in all of nxt the new million dollar man i guess there's always that generation's version of the million dollar man since ted dibiase so in in the 2020s it'll be cameron grimes the, the man who got rich from reddit perfect so contemporary just like Sami Zayn being an SJW. That's also very contemporary. <laughs> so, great heel gimmicks. Anyway, so then after that, we got the penultimate, the second to last match of the show. It's usually always the NXT Women's Championship match. I don't know why I thought maybe the MSK match was going to be here. I thought they would have given more space between the two finals. But no, they usually, always they always match. reserve it. The second to last is always the women's yeah. match. I should know this by now. How many of these predictions and reviews and even shows that i was watching beforehand before i even started doing this podcast that i've seen where the women's match is second to last now Braden, the only time they only did that they haven't done that was for i think the johnny gargano and tommaso like street fight because i believe before that match because they were the main event when there was no title on the line before they were the main event for like Alistair. three straight and there was like two of them where they were there was no championship it was just the feud itself was the main event yeah I remember yeah. Alistair, and I forgot who he defended against. He, that's oh, God. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, he defended against Lars Sullivan on Chicago. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was when – um that was the first time, like, oh, the penultimate was yeah, not – Yeah, I, re- I seem to recall that Shayna was champion, and she defended against Nikki Cross in the middle of the show. Yeah, that's – On the, that yeah, takeover. That that's, like, almost three years ago. That's crazy that it's been that long. But anyway, okay. In the, in the peak of the Gargano Champa stuff, and then Alistair Black kind of being NXT champion. That's a what a you know poor Alistair, eh? What a time to be champion is when there's a feud going on that's bigger than your title win and reign, and then you end up getting sacrificed to make that rivalry mean more. Bad times for Alistair. And then he goes to the, main roster, doing in the main roster. Nothing. Dude. He hasn't even been on television. I think they took him off. I don't know what's going on there, to be honest. At least he hasn't. At least he hasn't been booked weak. Like he's been booked very strong. Uh, I don't know. Roster. They've been. They they turn him. They 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 book him to kill a couple people. Then they take him off television for months. And then they he reappears for fucking six months later and the same stuff. And then he, he's he's heel. I don't know. I I don't like you anything. Think it's the Selena Vega stuff. It might be. It might be because, you know, after she got released and all that, he hasn't been seen. So maybe he's not coming in protest. I don't know what's going on with him. He hasn't been on television she in months. was released because she believed in, uh, what's it called, the a union, other, right? Yeah, they, or the other platforms that they should be able to use Twitch and this and that. And that WWE shouldn't be telling them not to make extra side money. That it shouldn't be them to be doing that. Which has got a point, but, I mean, it's an uphill battle trying to do that against the WWE. And... Again, Aleister Black hasn't been seen since then, so I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he's almost going to be released or something. What a shame, too, because he had tons of potential. Off pop, I bet. 
He had tons of potential. But anyway, we're not going to distract too much from that. We're going to get back to this here takeover show. Women's title, triple threat. It was, in fact, the style of match in which Io Shirai first won the NXT Women's Championship in a triple threat match where the Women's Championship match actually main evented a takeover in your house back in June of last year. Io won the title. Um, and she's been reigning champion ever since. She's gotten a long reign. She's been champion for many months now. And is at least probably going to be champion for a few months more. So in this match, um, to, to build up to it, they actually kind of had, like, I guess EO and Tony have a few confrontations. But then Mercedes Martinez attacked EO from behind when EO was calling out Tony Storm and kind of beat her up. So I thought, oh, okay, so maybe they're going with EO and Mercedes. But then they had uh, Tony kind of get involved because they had Tony and Mercedes Martinez as a team in the Women's Dusty Cup. And. Due to Io Shirai interfering and attacking Mercedes Martinez, Tony and Mercedes ended up losing to Casey. I don't care about pandemics. Kenton Zaro and <laughs> Kaden. I, I joke. I joke. I shouldn't highlight that too much. But I, it's been uh, a firestorm on Twitter because of those pictures that were seen. And Caden uh, uh, Carter and they beat um, Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez because of Io Shirai attacking. Martina, so turn into this big three-way rivalry that's you know each woman's kind of beating up the other in the lead up to the show. So they all come out. I would like to hear. I need to, I need Gabe to talk about how much he hates Mercedes uh, theme music. You mentioned it in the in the oh, chat. So it was I, just I think... like friends uh, being copped or whatever. I'm like, this does not sound like anything badass. Like silence would farthest be more thing cool. from it, right? Like farthest thing from it. Not tough. Her last, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Her last theme, the like the little like a uh, Hispanic like a uh, beat she had with the MLG horn, like much I better, that was right? Okay. <laughs> it was much better for sure, but I thought it was okay for her. So I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the okay. But here's the thing: her. who, and which one would you rather song. have, the the drum beats yeah, exactly. or or what was on last <laughs> night, right? So she comes out, looks tougher than her entrance music sounds. I give her that much. She does look mean and fucking tough and like a grizzled veteran. She does give off that, uh, the years of experience and I'm tough as fuck vibe just with her facial expressions. I think she's got those down pat. Then Tony Storm comes out and it's odd seeing her as a heel. I don't, I don't know. Maybe she can pull it off, but you know, she's been a baby face forever on NXT UK. And then she comes over to regular NXT and then they immediately turn her. I don't know. I guess we'll see where it goes. But there's a built-in story between Tony and EO because if you can remember when Tony and EO kind of really got brought in to WWE, it was in the 2018 May Young Classic, and they actually made it to the finals of the May Young Classic. Did uh, Tony Storm and EO Shirai, and it was Tony Storm who pinned EO Shirai to win the 2018 May Young Classic at the Evolution pay-per-view. Remember that uh, women's-only pay-per-view almost three years ago? It'll be three years ago this fall. So there's back in store, a, a back, you know, a, a background between the two of them, and Tony's brought this up. I, I pinned you to win the Mayan Classic. I'm gonna pin you again. I'm better than you. I can win this title, and that was a part of it. But I found that Io and Tony in this match didn't really have a whole lot of action against one another. No, it was like it was like no. Mercedes against one of them at a time. <laughs> it seemed it was like Mercedes Martinez worked with Tony for a while. Then, like, Tony would get taken out, and then EO would get in there, and it was Mercedes and Tony, and it was, it was Mercedes and EO for a while, and it was kind of going like that. I didn't find that Tony Storm and uh, EO Shirai really had all that much um, 
interaction in this match. And I can only assume that it's done for a reason of maybe getting another singles match out of this rivalry since they didn't really touch. I didn't find they, they got all that physical too much. I mean, they had a couple spots together, but I found it was primarily Mercedes Martinez kind of working two singles matches intermittently with both of them and kind of all tying it together to the end. I, what was there was crisp. Like, um, like when, uh, Mercedes did that big uh, hanging superplex where she hangs on to the, the top rope and she kind of sits up, but before she can do so, Io Shirai is already positioned there and gives her the old double foot stomp from the tree of woe. That was a good looking, uh, good looking move there. Somehow all the women end up on the outside and Mercedes is uh, getting beat on by Tony storm and Tony storm turns and just glances at a table. I think her pinky might her pinky nail might've touched uh, the table and it just broke <laughs> like, what? I was, uh, what? Oh god! <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> she barely touched it. Like there was, there was no force. It wasn't like she slammed her her, her hand on it. it. wasn't like she kicked it. She just kind of like like glanced past it and like maybe her skin touched it and the, the table just broke. It looked like I guess she was gonna try and put Mercedes Martinez through the table. Maybe I don't know because we'll never know because the table just fucking imploded from nothing. But they, they ended up just kind of calling an audible where, you know, Tony and Mercedes fight for a bit. And Io Shirai climbs up to this big piece of equipment that's kind of hanging above, uh, you know, the, the ringside area. And does this beautiful crossbody off the top. Takes out both girls. Um, inside the ring, once again, we get to that singles match thing where Mercedes ends up... Uh, what is, What is her finishing move again? I know she hit it on Tony for a, a close fall, but I can't... Mercedes? I, yeah, what, she hits a fisherman buster. Yeah, okay, she's it's the fisherman buster, that's right. So Mercedes and Tony get in the ring. She ends up hitting the fisherman's buster. Tony kicks out. Um, Mercedes is shocked. They fight a bit more. And then, of course, since Tony's got to get her shit in, she hits in Storm Zero, which I hear you're not a fan of that finishing move. You find it looks a little weak, is I think how you. It looks weak because like the rotation and height is very low profile. Like you see Tyler Bate, he tries his best to really elevate them so high. Just do a regular power bomb if you're gonna, you know, just slam <laughs> it on their back. I don't know. I think but it looks cool. I, I think it looks so. cool. It, it's. I'm not gonna lie. I've definitely. I'm just had playing devil's advocate here because I actually don't mind the move. So. <laughs> it's it's just a very weak looking move in my opinion. Like they're just doing a front flip, you know, really low profile. Not even above mid height of uh, their opponent, so it's a uh, it's very small impact move. Yet you know it's a, it's a cool rotation, I guess, but it just doesn't look like oh it's the one to end it, you know. So then um, I think Mercedes ends up kicking out of that. They do some more stuff, and there comes a point where both ladies I, I forget what what happened near the finish, but they're both kind of out. It looked like Tony was going for another pin. I don't know. I can't remember if she hit Storm oh, she Zero did a, again. Oh, uh, flying headbutt. Oh, then, yeah, uh, she pin. hit the... Yes, that's right. So Tony ends up uh, taking Mercedes Martinez out because I remember split between two singles matches here. Even though it was mainly Tony Storm versus Mercedes Martinez. Io Shirai did her big dive and all that but and the big foot stomp. But I found like the action from Io was quite reserved compared to, say, her other title defenses. And maybe that was just me. Maybe they're saving her for some stuff and don't want it. But even then, she did some pretty high-risk stuff. But I found it was mainly <laughs> Martinez and Tony doing shit in there. But yes, Tony Storm does, in fact, hit a, a big diving headbutt onto uh, Mercedes Martinez. Goes for the pin, and just like a takeover in your house, Io Shirai does moon the big moonsault on both of them. Tony sells it, rolls out of the way. Io pins Martinez like I thought would happen. And it saves Tony from getting pinned, because as I can say... 
I could only assume assume that this is going further. I don't think it's making it to the next takeover, but they might do another match or two on television because I think they're I, I, I am of the opinion. Brandon Moyes said it was a bold prediction, but I say that Raquel Gonzalez will be Io Shirai's next one-on-one takeover opponent, and when that match happens, she's dropping the belt to Raquel. Now, how would that affect Dakota Kai, though? You know, do you think I don't she'll know. be split from her already, or do you think... Uh... I don't know. Maybe, maybe they do a jealousy angle where she's friends with her for a while, and they do something like that. I don't know what you do with Dakota Kai. I really don't. But if I Dakota Kai has been chasing that belt, you know, forever. if not longer, you know, forever. yeah, exactly. So it, it's definitely gonna affect her character-wise emotionally. Like, oh my, my enforcer is gonna go for the belt and not me, you know. So it's definitely gonna cause something in their uh, their their acquaintance. It will, and I guess that'd be up to the NXT creative team to figure that out as we go along. But do you think my prediction is bold? Do you see it? Uh, you think it's as bold as Brandon Moyes thinks it's happening? Do you think it's more Tony Storm is gonna take? The belt off Io. Where do you think the women's you know, championship I, situation I don't know goes? where. I don't know who's gonna drop it because Io, for the longest time, has been that dominant. You know, NXT yeah. champion. I think she's that... been champion for like nine over nine months now. It's crazy. It's, yeah, just yeah. about because um, I think she won in June, correct? Yeah, from beginning of June seventh was when she won the title. So it's just very. I I really don't know who could take it off of her because uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie, the women in NXT are strong. But they're not Io Shirai strong. Yeah, she's been. I mean, I'm a big fan of Joshi wrestling, so I've known what she's been going through. Uh, but not uh, only that, but I think like among Joshi, she may be the mo- one of the most elite of them oh, in of general course. in the whole world. Like even if we're gonna count her Japanese counterparts, I think Io, at least in terms of, oh, I think yeah. she's in contention for like one of the best women's wrestlers in the world, for sure. Because I remember in Lucha Underground when she when. Uh, she represented um some like japanese characters uh she was the the head of that uh you know those japanese characters um i think it was her Kairi Sane, and mayu iwatani uh with their leader i forgot her name black lotus was the leader but everyone knew like oh io shirai um was the uh was the deadliest one uh, i don't know what her wrestling name or her lucha underground name was but in storyline, she was booked as the deadliest assassin that Black Lotus has for um, Pentagon Jr. So, yeah, I do agree with you that Io is definitely the elite of Joshi. So yeah. I really don't know who could take it off of her with the women division uh, just being a sub subpar, in my opinion. Uh, so it's uh, there has to be, yeah, I think Raquel could definitely take it off of her. It's just, I don't know That's when that would be. That's my prediction, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> So when do you think that would happen? Next takeover, whether it happened at the end of April Ooh. or in May or in June, whenever they decide to book it for quarter two, I say it happens there. Yeah, I think that's a. I think that might be too soon. Maybe if they do happen to have it, I think Io could retain because uh, Dakota might have um, some interference, you know. And so um, I don't know. I'm pretty and then confident. Maybe Raquel could take it off around. Because by that point, that Io might... will have had the belt for like ten, eleven months. It's like it's almost a year. You know, she's had her run. She's had a run, you know? It's like, it's been a great yeah. run, but you got to drop it to somebody. Now, what do you think she would be it. after she drops it? Uh, well, obviously, she'd probably get a rematch, stay in the title picture for a little bit as a challenger. It usually happens. Let's say she gets a, a rematch out of the ordeal. Like, she ain't going to leave the title picture immediately. Do you think she'll get called up? It's potential. I, it's potential. 
And if if, if she gets lucky like Oscar, maybe they'll actually do something with her. You know, she's actually. I I find that sometimes the female talent from NXT they actually do something with. It's the males that seem to have more of a an issue at times. So I'm more confident in Io getting called up than you know, say. Uh, yeah, Gargano or any of the Undisputed Era or anybody like that. So we'll see where it goes, but I'm sticking with it until I'm proven wrong and Tony Storm ends up taking the fucking belt from Io Shirai instead. But I'm still I think, sticking with yeah, it. Yeah, I think Tony, uh, Tony could take it too, but I don't think right now. I don't think it's Tony's time yet, to be honest. I don't think it's, it's not Tony time, guys. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. One of my not favorite yet. memes, by the way, since you brought that up, was um, I posted it on, on Twitter and it was like. It was Sasha Banks and Tony. Oh, yeah, I remember and, that. Like, what time is it? And, and and I think one of the people who responded to me just went, no. That was all, <laughs> all it said. I was just like, okay. okay. A little too punny, I suppose. Just too much too much dad joke humor. I got you. I got you, fam. I got you. But I thought it was funny. It was like I remember that. I posted that like back in the fall on Twitter. It was a while ago, but it was funny. Uh, but, yes, I, it, it is not Tony time yet, I don't think. But we'll see. As that I could be wrong, and Tony does end up eventually taking the championship from Io Shirai because I think, I think Triple H is high on Tony Storm. And I think she, he's just going to bring her from NXT UK oh, to NXT to do nothing. They had her turn to, I guess, make her stand out, even though there's a million heels in the. In the I NXT. think they're just experimenting, like because they already knew how great of a babyface uh, Tony Storm was yeah. after the first Mayan Classic, because she was the hottest thing from that tournament. Like she lost. And what's her name? Kyrie won and all, but everyone was talking about Tony Storm. And then she ended up winning the next one. Yeah, it, she's just that uh, over with the, the audience and, you know, even the boys in the back or girls in the I, back. I, so think, I think she's got a great presence. I think she's she got does. great charisma. I think she has a lot of potential. And she's got it's a lot just of talent. that the heel turn is just very odd, and I think they're just trying well, to experiment. Well, it's just it's stacked with heels. Can do. It's stacked yeah, with that, heels. So I, I, I question why they would turn her when she's such a – a naturally charismatic, likable. He is an wrestler. actual baby face. So it's just like, weird, unless they do like a thing with Finn, where they just kind of eventually go, eh, maybe we'll make her tweener. You know, Ugh. I don't think that's gonna happen with Tony. No, you think uh, they're just no, gonna she, revert I, th- her? I think they're they're gonna turn her again because she's, she, you know, that baby face is is very strong. Yeah, uh, exactly. Baby they got a million strong. bad women in NXT. There's like a million, like Candice is a heel, Indy Hartwell's a heel, Dakota Kai is a heel. Raquel's a heel. All the top women are practically The top base right now is Shotzi in NXT. Or EO. Uh, EO. If, if, or, I mean, excluding EO. So. Oh, excluding, excluding the champ? Then yeah, Shotzi. Yeah. Because I think should... Shotzi's positioned better than Ember Moon. Of so. course. that's what, I, I would have said Ember, but... But no, nah, Shotzi's, Shotzi's positioned just... way better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they use her significantly better. And uh, you know what? It's, it's something. I mean, maybe they're going to do a tag team deal with them for a while, but we'll see where it goes. I mean, again, I think there's like a lot more heels than there are baby faces, so I didn't think it was necessary to turn Tony, but we'll see what they do with her going in the future. Anyway, my final sum up for this match was it was short. It was the shortest match of the show, which kind of caught, which caught me by surprise, to be honest. But then I'm like, yeah, it's because the main event guys are probably going to need their fucking extra bit of time. So they, they looked at the card and decided, well, we're just going to shave some time off the women's title match, which is odd because they actually gave the women's final more time. But I guess it's because it was the first of its kind. So they felt like they had to give it a little more time because it's more of a thing. Like the NXT women's title has been defended many times at a so takeover. Times. There's only one a triple threat too. Yeah. So, but there's only one first dusty women's classic, right? There's only one first of that kind. You can only have a first of those one time. So 
they decided to give more time to the opener. So this match by virtue had to get its time cut. Man, it did. But I thought the action from all three ladies was crisp. I didn't think other than the table fucking breaking from Tony's pinky. Nothing got fucked up and they 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 recouped fine. They just kind of brawled and instead of Tony putting Mercedes through the table, they just kind of brawled until EO did her big dot, her big crossbody. And it, it didn't, I don't think it destroyed the flow of the match all that bad. And I thought they worked really, really hard in there. And I thought it was very good. Again, it, I wouldn't call it a great match like the opener. It was very good, but it, it wasn't anything great. But this is, uh, you know, on shows that have a few great matches and a few good ones, you just got to admit that the good ones are not as good as the great ones. And it didn't have the time to be great, but it was still very good for what it was. What are your final uh, thoughts on the actual match quality itself, Gabe? I think that, I mean, yeah, it was short, and like you said, they wanted to shine the, the, uh, the you know, the dusty one more because it's the first and all. So, um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I did not. I told everyone like, yeah, no, uh, EO's definitely gonna win it. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was pretty quick because um, uh, challengers to uh, to EO, uh, that doesn't seem that big, dude. Especially triple threat just ends up being a quick match. Like I remember. Um, what match was it? Um, I don't remember. There was another match. It was just really quick for you. Um, and other triple threat matches with Oscar too. I might be getting those confused, but it's just it just ended quick. Uh, Which is weird even... that the multi man match would end quick. Yeah, it is weird for the person um... to break up the fall at all times. But you know, <laughs> she hit yeah, both I'm, of them, I, I suppose, with the finish. So it is I'm a big fan of triple threat matches, but they've never been you know what I wanted to be ever since uh. The, the whole TNA five-star with uh, Samoa Joe, AJ, and I'm trying to remember Daniels. The last real amazing triple threat match I can remember off the top of my head is Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, and John Cena from Royal Rumble. Oh, yes. That was a great triple threat. Yeah. That was the best uh, one that I remember from recent memory. That's the only one that I would call a fantastic match of the year style triple threat match. But ever since then, I haven't seen one that's been that good since. So... You have to go back Sorry. a while. There have been great ones and amazing ones, but you got to go way back. There haven't been, there hasn't been a triple threat that's been of that quality in many, many years. We're talking like because six. sadly, triple threats these days are just being used to like you know save someone from you know being pinned or yeah. Like, oh, so somebody can be a fall credible. person. Okay, we don't yeah. want to, we don't want the champion to pin this challenger who we care about. So we'll put this person in so they can take the fall. It's kind of mm -hmm. lazy booking, but fuck it happens, it's, right? It they do it, they do it. So. I, I mean, that's why Mercedes Martinez was in this match. I mean, I hate to say exactly. it, but she was there to take a pin because they didn't want to have Io Shirai pin Tony. So, you know, what's funny is that, speaking of the Mae Young Classic from earlier, like, uh, Mercedes was also the most dominant wrestler in the first one, and they even brought her back in the second one. So it's just interesting that, oh, she signed for NXT, and she's not really being booked as strong no, as No, but I will give her this. Do you want her to just be like a filler contender a couple times on takeovers or be in retribution? What's the choice? I feel like she was only there for a little bit. I don't think she was always going to be part of How are the there, members of retribution so... doing in the modern day if you were to look at them though, Gabe? I, I was yeah, we're not talking about retribution. We're talking about Mercedes and But NXT. she was there. She was originally called up to be well, a part you know of that group. In retribution brain like 70 people. Now it's only what 5. So <laughs> yeah, there's it's like just... 4. Yeah, a uh, five with Ali, five with Ali, five with Ali. Yeah, yeah, but four from what NXT, right? So yeah, Dijak, just... Mia Yim, Shane uh, Thorne, and uh, 
the what, commentator. Yeah, Dio Madden. Dio Madden. Dio Madden, yeah. So I'm just saying, like, you know, everyone is part of it for Retribution. So I'm just saying, Mercedes, they should have just booked her uh, kind of like uh, Shayna, the next Shayna Baszler, I guess. They because she have. was very dominant in that, in both, uh, you know, tournaments. So now, I, I think it's because she was working with AEW. That's what I think. Because... They made her look really strong in that um women's battle royale the 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 card one whatever they call it their little gimmick like oh, oh she was the a joke. um the the casino battle royale casino yeah because like you know usually the Joker is like oh the next big thing in AEW so you know sadly she didn't sign with AEW so now I feel like NXT is just like oh you know oh since wow. you were with AEW we gotta work you through this shit for now. So, that's my theory. So, so yeah, yeah, it, it it was what it was, and again, I don't think it was a bad match. It was it was still very good. The action was great cool. match. It was, it was very good. Like the action was, was solid and crisp, and and the ladies worked hard. It just it didn't get a whole lot of time. That's all. Not, yeah, it needed more time to really bloom into something bigger. Because like you said, it was like two single matches. So yeah, as I said, it was Mercedes working with tony and then when tony was taken out it was mercedes working with eo then eo would get taken out and it kind of flip-flop back and forth it didn't really have too many triple threat spots aside from the finish and eo jumping on both of them i personally much. think this is my least favorite match to be honest like it's like yeah a, I, 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 a lot of people had that opinion again i liked it marginally better than the opener because the psychology of the opener bugged me whereas nothing in the psychology in this match annoyed me at all if you kind of get what mm. i mean like, the, the heels working babyface, like, that shit fucking, it's a pet peeve of mine, right? Like, when when the heels are working like a babyface, and you're you're purposely structuring out the match that way, you're going to throw in canned booze, I'm not going <laughs> to like that. I'm not going to like that. So, that's what t- took that match. Now, had the psychology been normal, and it was worked in a way in which Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez deserved the canned heat that they were fucking putting in the match, then... Maybe I'd have liked it more, but just on psychology basis alone, I like this a little better. But we're talking a quarter star here, my dude. Yeah, of course. It was still the second uh... weakest match of the night for me. The weakest for you, definitely second weakest for me. Again, it was, again, I wouldn't call it great. Gargano Kushida, fucking excellent. Amazingly great. The tag finals, another fucking great match. The main event is we're going to talk about another fucking great match. But the women's, the two women's matches were very good. It just it happens on shows like this with all this talent. Sometimes matches are going to be great. Sometimes they're just going to be good. In this work rate era, that's going to happen. We should be thankful that the least of we're giving to, the least we're giving to a mat, a, a fucking match on a show is three and a half stars. There was a time where matches were filled with average fucking two star bouts throughout the undercard, and you had to wait to the fucking main event to get something great. Now we get shows with all this athletic talent that produces matches that you know. I blow the hair back no matter what. So we are in a very privileged time with the amount of quality workers in the business today when we can call the weakest match of a show three and a half. Just my personal opinion. So that's no, that's that's true, dude. That's you know, no opinion. So that's just that. So we're gonna get on to the the main event, which was I was really looking forward to this match, just on the basis of who was in it. The Pete, they get the big takeover, dun, 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 big entrance, and you see Pete Dunn walk from the back, he gets his entrance music, he walks out, they do the same thing for the challenger, Finn Balor, they do the dramatic drum beat thing until he gets to Finn's entrance, he comes out. I, I love when these two have a stare down, they did it on the go-home show to NXT this week, they just kind of stared at each other and did their poses, 
just badass as fuck. And then they do it again at the beginning of this match. And then they go right into working with each other. And this match was interesting. Unlike Gargano and Kushida, which started very, very fast and just at a sprint pace, this match started very, very slow. And that's not a knock because it was a continuous story. It was a continuous story. It was Finn getting his digits attacked and his arm mangled by Pete through much of it. And he was getting out grappled. Every time Finn would try something, Pete had a counter for it and would cut him off and just torture this guy. Like we're talking even more methodical than Randy Orton here. Okay. <laughs> like we're talking, you know, Orton kind of has that plodding pace where he like just, you know, does the stomps and fucking shit like that. Whereas like Pete is mangling Finn Balor's arm in such a way that, yeah, it's, it's it's slow and it's grappling and all that, but my God, he's bending that guy's arm in a really uncomfortable way. And this is, ooh, poor fucking champion Finn getting fucking stretched like this. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it was done in such mm. a way that it's like, oh, ow, ow, that fucking really looks like it hurts. And he does this, and he keeps cutting Finn off. Anytime Finn wants to make a comeback, he just keeps going to the, the same arm, the arm that he'd been attacking on NXT television for the weeks leading up to this. And uh, the ones that he'd already because he did he he'd done the the finger spot to Finn on television like two weeks prior to this match. So Finn's uh, you know nursing a bit of a, a hurt arm, but also whenever Pete could get an opportunity to crack it at Finn's jaw, he went for it, calling back to Finn Balor getting his jaw broken, legitimately Kyle. by Kyle O'Reilly back at Takeover Thirty One, and Pete you know cracked him a few times. I mean obviously he didn't really hit him there, but he took him a few shots, and he would use either the jaw or the bent arm and stretched arm to get the advantage until Finn Balor gets a slight opening and kicks the shin and like the foot of P of Pete Dunne in such a way that Dunne now is hurt. Finn has an opening. He just hit Pete Dunne's leg so hard that Pete now is selling like as if he's legitimately injured in such a way that I thought his selling was excellent from this point on. Because now Finn had an opening. And now the tables had turned. Now Finn is doing the Bret Hart style work over the leg. And he would go over it, dragon screws, kick it, uh, go for, you know, half crabs. He would work it over. But then they would make it interesting. Because then, whenever Pete would be in trouble, he would just notice, ah, there's Balor's arm. <laughs> Let me just fucking wrench it in the opposite direction and get on top and... and just out grapple this guy. So that would be his way out of everything. But then when Finn would get in trouble, he would go to the leg. And there was a part where he locked in a figure four for some time until Pete got to the ropes. It was a real, it, like I called the Kushida Gargano match a real seesaw battle, but that was like a sprint. This was like a, a 90s Bret Hart title defense match from the An 90s. Old school like, wrestling match. It was old school technical. Like it's like this is like a match that Bret Hart would have laid out in like 1995. Pretty much to to the extent I don't think any sharpshooters were used. <laughs> but the way it was worked was very much in in that that Bret Hart fashion, which I enjoy. I'm a was a huge fan of Bret. Um how could I not be? He's a Canadian. <laughs> I <Might> know. <laughs> Might I add, but these these two guys they they beat the hell out of each other. Finn starts chopping this guy in the corner. You know we could talk about Walter's chops, which yeah he's a big dude, but for like a guy Finn size, that guy fucking chops hard, man. Like he chops hard. They look like they suck. Pete ends up, you know, it's a struggle. They fight, they fight. 
And what what I'm gonna also bring up here now too, just like a classic Bret Hart match, this match never left the squared circle, not once. They stayed in the ring. I mean, maybe Finn went out to the apron to do some springboard one time, but that was it. As far as them actually touching the floor or going on the ramp, that never happened once in this match, which is refreshing to see something like that. It was very similar to Finn's match with Kyle O'Reilly, except Pete Dunne was the clear heel of this bout, uh-huh. and Finn Balor was the clear babyface, whereas like you had two kind of fan favorites, but Finn's kind of slightly more villainous than Kyle. Kyle's the underdog. But there's still, like, nobody was, like, the clear heel of that match. Whereas in this one, Pete Dunne was clearly the heel. Um, Pete ends up actually hitting the bitter end for a near fall. But Finn kicks out. Um, there was a spot in the match where Finn ends up going for the coup de gras, And Pete catches him in mid-motion with a guillotine. It was a beautiful transition. I'd say go and watch it if you can find the clip. Because that was just, oh, that was an amazing spot. And Pete keeps this fucking submission locked in for so long. And Finn struggles so much to get to the ropes. And he does. But as he does, he passes out in the ropes. And the referee is keeping Pete done from a potentially unconscious man. And you can see Pete actually getting frustrated, which of course a guy would. you know. And then the ref ends up finally... Seeing that Finn's not, he's he's woken up, he's back, he can uh, he can he can compete, and then you know Pete goes after the arm again some more, just kind of a kicks at it, stomps on it, and then that's what led to the bitter end, which Finn Balor kicked out of. Uh, they wrestle for you know a bit longer, you know they they trade uh, submissions again and all that sort of stuff, and then it gets to a point where I forget how Finn was able. Do you remember the finish of how Finn was able to get him to the coup de gras? I kind of forget how uh, he set that up. I forgot too. Yeah, I, I did. Let's see. Let me look it up. Because there was he 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 gotten Pete down. They they wrestled for some more because it wasn't too long of that until the finish. I just I'm forgetting how he set up the coup de gras. What he did to in, incapacitate Balor for the coup de gras. But anyway, he does in fact incapacitate Pete Dunn long enough to hit the coup de gras properly from the top rope. No counter this time, and. Then uh, Finn oh, gets... Oh, it was a... I think it was a shotgun dropkick. Oh, yes, it was the, the, so the, the shotgun dropkick. Drop yes, done. yes, because uh, at, uh, there was a point where yeah, after the kickout, they, they, they fight some more. I think I think a Finn hit... hit. Yeah, Finn ends up hitting the reverse uh, 1916. Reverse 1916, And Pete yeah. kicked out of that, and then they fought some more, and then Finn just kind of riled up and made a comeback. And he got Pete into the corner... He hit the shotgun drop kick. Pete flies into the corner, lays there. Finn sets up for the coup de gras, hits it, and Pete doesn't go for the pin. Nah, he's gonna hit that. He's gonna hit the prince's fucking finishing move. Fuck the demon's finishing move. He's gonna hit the prince's finishing move, and he hits the proper 1916, the, the proper looking one, the, the elevated uh, underhook DDT. Pins Pete Dunn. Was never in any question. Finn Balor retaining the NXT title. I didn't think Pete Dunn was gonna win here. I knew it was just a takeover title defense for Finn, but my God, this match was fucking great. <laughs> this is a great match. Again, I thought Gargano and Kushida was slightly better, but like it's it's like a quarter star difference, my guy. This is a solid, fucking fantastic main event. These Finn Balor title matches, I look forward to more. I was about to ask you, what is what are these uh, for the past year? 
mm-hmm. or even, even let's include 2020 as well. Yep. What has there ever been a bad, a memorably bad match for uh, Finn Balor? Like, no title or no title. Like yeah. since he went back to NXT last fall, like in fall of 2019, since he went back, or even yeah, counting... let's even include that. Ever since he got back from NXT, are we counting even like, like his first run? No, no, no. I was thinking about like oh, the takeovers. But no, now you, now that I think about it, it has there any been like bad matches he's had? No, he had a he had a great back. match with Matt Riddle at War Games when he returned. It was first his first takeover. He was supposed to wrestle Johnny Gargano. Johnny mm-hmm. got hurt, and Matt Riddle had to fill in. And I thought they had a great match. Then he had an even better match when he finally did face Johnny Gargano at Takeover Portland. One of my favorite matches last uh, year. <laughs> it was it was great. It was a fucking great match. Um. He had a very good bout with Damian Priest that's a little underrated. In I remember house. that one. I thought it was the second best match of the show after the women's match. Um, then he had a, a little technical match with Timothy Thatcher at TakeOver 30 that I thought was very good as well. And then he had the fucking fantastic main event with Kyle O'Reilly, and now he's had another fucking fantastic main event with Pete Dunne. I think Finn Balor's on on a roll as far as being in the ring. I think this is the best we've we've seen him in terms of match quality. He's just he's on fire. He's on a different level right now. You see, he wants he wants this to is bust the best Finn Balor I've ever seen. He, he wants to bust his ass. He wants to fucking be the the guy that people talk about, the fucking champion. And he was only a champion because Cross got hurt. It's the only reason he's got the belt now, which is crazy. But he benefited from it, and we got two fantastic takeover main events out of it. Um, I'm sure Karrion Cross is getting Finn Balor next, and I imagine that'll be unfortunately where the Prince's reign does come to an end. That's got that's gonna suck. Like it is. He's it's... been on fire ever since. I think the only time where he lost, it wasn't even on Takeover. I think it was on a television where he lost to a, an Adam Cole. Uh, it was for the NXT title when uh, he had the and when Cole had the belt still. I think Timothy and, uh, Thatcher. I how he Timothy lost. Thatcher cost him a match. I can't remember if he got pinned yeah. or not though. It was it wasn't a clean finish. I no, know that. no, 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 no. It was because it, it was Velveteen Dream versus Balor, and the winner got to go to the North American Title Ladder match, and Thatcher cost Balor the match by interfering and knocking him off the top rope or something like that. So um, it was not clean. Yeah, so and then when he lost to Adam Cole, it was because Johnny Gargano distracted him and Cole. Johnny, hit him, there and, we go. It was and, Johnny. And Cole hit him with a low blow and then hit him with the um, the last shot to retain the NXT title. Well, that's a. That's like well over a year ago now. That's like you know, fucking like fourteen months ago already. It's a long time. But he's never been booked clean. To but lose, he's never been pinned clean since he's gone back to NXT. No, and even then he's only had two dirty losses that I can remember. Two. That's it, and they were all because of interference or cheating. So, but I imagine when, and I think it's inevitable. I think Cross is getting him next. I could be wrong. But I think they're... I don't want it to. I don't want it to <laughs> I, at all. Cause... I see it happening unless they're gonna fast track Cross to the main roster. But I don't see that either. And he does have a built-in story that he never lost the belt. He got hurt and had to relinquish it. And he's also never been beaten in NXT. And from the the Booker's mind, you got two guys who are the most dominant of the entire brand going up for the main title. I I can't see them not booking it. I just can't. I just can't see them not booking it from a star power and just both guys having as much momentum as they do. And I, and we know how much triple H loves carry and cross. Like look how fast he shot him to the title in the summer. And he would have had a long reign had he not got hurt and Finn would have never got the belt. 
And now that he's back, they've done a slow burn with him because they wanted to give... They wanted to do Balor and Pete Dunne at a takeover. So they did that. But now that Finn's beaten Pete Dunne, beaten Kyle O'Reilly, and we'll talk about the post-match segment, which uh, has more to do with Kyle O'Reilly than Finn Balor as far as where the future goes, I have to think that Karrion Cross is next. And I could mm. be wrong in terms of uh, Cross regaining the belt from Finn, but I think he will. And that he has a, a dominant monster heel run that will eventually be ended by a babyface. And I'll mention that babyface once we get to him. So I think I know who you're going to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah. Because I have you, the same idea. Yeah, you I know have the who same I'm exact about. idea. So now, here's, here's the thing, though. I, I really don't know what's going to happen next for Finn if he were to drop it to Karrion. Because I'm not going to lie. That's also in the same... Uh, I'm having that prediction as well. That mm-hmm. Karrion is going to get it back. Um... Uh, another weird question: Do you remember any like memorable matches that Cross has had? Because well, they've mainly had him as a character, and he's yeah. had squashes, and then he got hurt. I just I think it's too early to say that he can't go. You know, there's been some circumstances involved, but do I think he's at the the level of athletic caliber that some of the t- other top NXT people have been? No, but he's much more of a character than, like, a, a match-stealing performer. He's, like, a dominant threat. He's not really a show-stealer. He's a completely different type of character for NXT. I think, anyway. Now, again, we're, we're used to these takeovers having show-stealing matches and, and all that sort of stuff, and Karrion Cross probably isn't going to be that guy. But as far as a dominant threat and an ass-kicker, and a fucking person going like, oh man, who's ever going to beat that fucking guy? I think he he oozes that type of potential. But that's just my opinion. What do you think about him? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think he's at the level of athletics that most of the top NXT people have been. But I don't think they expect him to be. And I don't think that's the role he's necessarily going to have. What do you mm-hmm. think, though? Or do you kind of agree with uh, that sort of sentiment? I, I agree, too, because he is that character, you say. And... I would think he would benefit more off of the main roster, like like the Eliases and the uh, who else that made better in um in, in the main roster than NXT because he's definitely that character that you know the main roster likes to make moments and characters off. Then you know work I think the great perfect comparison is is he's like he's like NXT's fiend. It's all about the entrance oh, and the definitely. destruction. All about the entrance and the destruction of his opponents. Right, like that's it. So. But I think they want to give him a run with the NXT title before he goes up to the main roster. Unless they do just call him up and Vince wants him right away, which could happen because we know Vince. But I think Hunter is dead set on putting the belt back on him. I could be wrong. And Vince calls him up and Hunter has no choice but to let Vince bring him to Raw or SmackDown. But I think Cross is going to get that belt back before he sees Raw or SmackDown. It's just a feeling I got, man. I think they're going to put it back on him. And Finn's going to be the one to, to do the job, unfortunately. You're going to do it. It'll be the first time he loses cleanly in NXT well, since his return. So. You can guarantee that we'll talk about it, you know. Yeah, whenever they decide. I mean, there's no tentative date yet announced for the next TakeOver. It's definitely not going to be WrestleMania weekend because Mania is, again, split into two nights over Saturday and Sunday. Unless they decide to do it on the Friday, but I don't really necessarily see that happening. Not during a fucking weekday. I know they've done it before, but I just don't see it. 
So it's well, either... the only reason why they did that on the weekdays because AEW had their um Saturday show that um yeah. I, I believe. So uh, that's why they had NXT Takeover Friday, and then they had the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, Saturday. on Saturday, so they held it on a Friday night, right? But I mean, they could do yeah. that. I don't know if uh, Triple H, but I've been noticing that Takeovers have been doing having their own weekend. They've less been paired with main roster yeah, pay per views in the last couple um... of years. So, okay, do go on. Oh yeah, I, I was about to say like I think it's because um, uh, it's definitely because of pandemic now. But they have been having takeovers, you know, away from the big four. Yeah. So um, been doing them, I think like, it's on their because own uh, they're trying to see what they could do, I guess, without uh, the help of the you know big four because AEW, in my opinion, like everything's AEW, in my opinion, with NXT. Well, the fuck, cause... they're doing their own takeovers because AEW's doing their own pay per views, and that's their way of competing. Yeah, of course. Right? So. That's, That's how that. I saw it. So, I mean, I think it's going to be after WrestleMania. I don't think it's going to be WrestleMania weekend, whether it be by the end of April or in May or in June. There will be a quarter two takeover. I'm just not sure when it's going to happen. That I don't know. But for sure there will be one in quarter two because Triple H said on a conference call that they still plan to do four to five takeovers every year going forward. There's going to be a handful of them every year. He said the same amount, despite the Peacock deal, we're still going to do our, our usual amount. So that's usually like four or five a year. Usually one every quarter. Sometimes one quarter gets an extra, but there will be one in quarter two. I just don't know when. So after the after the main event, uh, Finn Balor goes to celebrate on the ramp, and this is the the show closing angle. And Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan, the NXT Tag Team Champions, jump him from behind. They beat him down on the ramp, throw him into the ring. Pete Dunne joins them. And they have a three-on-one beatdown of Finn Balor until the Undisputed Era's music hits and outruns Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong. They clear house of the heels. Kyle and Kyle helps Finn up. They have this moment of Finn kind of going like, oh, these fucking guys, but, you know, Kyle, I kind of trust you. You seem like you're a good guy. You know, maybe your friends aren't so bad. And they kind of have this moment of, like, mutual respect and friendship and they all start putting up the undisputed era sign, except for Finn, who kind of does his his uh, his, his gun club. his bullet club <laughs> double guns, finger gun sign, and the copyright symbol goes up as they all pose. And then Adam Cole lays out Finn Balor with a picture perfect super kick. Finn is laid out. Kyle O'Reilly is fucking pissed. He's saying that this is bullshit. How could you do this, Adam? He is fucking trusting us. Why do you got to go into business for yourself? All this, and then as Kyle's kind of checking on Finn and, you know, kind of kind of in a bit of rage himself, he turns around and what happens? Adam Cole super kicks Kyle O'Reilly's head off. And Adam Cole kind of gives a death stare to my parents' divorced face, Roderick Strong, who doesn't know what to do. <laughs> and Adam Cole just kind of gives him the blank death stare and leaves. And Roddy's just, like, beside himself and just he doesn't know what the fuck to do. Kyle, O'Reilly, and Balor are laid out, and Cole just kind of stares at the ring and walks off. And his very much the beginning, at least Kyle O'Reilly's out of the Undisputed Era. I don't know what they're going to do with Roddy. Bobby Fish is hurt, so he's completely out of the picture anyway. Injured. Been injured since War Games or something like that, so he's not even in the picture. I don't know what they do with Roddy, but I think very clearly... This is the beginning of a Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly feud, which will go over the spring. I guess maybe they, they could trade wins, and then Kyle could win in the end. And I think this is going to be done to put over Kyle O'Reilly as a sympathetic, 
underdog babyface, and it's like one program that he that really builds him up, and that by the end of the year, you will see Kyle O'Reilly as a babyface singles win the NXT title by the time this year is up. I think that's where it goes, and it begins with this long-term program with Adam Cole, and they build to the inevitable O'Reilly versus Cole first match one-on-one for the spring takeover that I've mentioned a few times now. But uh, I did not expect that ending. I didn't. I didn't think they'd pull the trigger on Undisputed Era falling apart. But to be fair, they've done all they can do as a group. Like, fuck, all of them won titles together. They've been together forever <laughs> on the NXT brand. What more could you do with them? I mean, they had their little babyface run as, like, a, a four-person group, but that was only going to last so long. Um, Adam Cole is the, probably the perfect heel to put Kyle O'Reilly over, considering their history in Ring of Honor and New Japan. Mm-hmm. I think it's the perfect program for Kyle as a babyface. I mean, they have great chemistry. It's going to produce great matches. And in the end, I think Cole knows to put his friend over, and Kyle will go on to be, like, the conquering... Every every man, good guy, the Daniel Bryan of NXT, who will finally win the big one by the time the year's up. But this is the one foe he's got to get over before going, getting back into the championship title picture. What do you think of this program going forward, Gabe? Oh, what do you think? Boy. Of, yeah, you could probably get a lot to say, so I'll let you have the. There is the so much here. to say, Braden. There is so much to I say. Agree. There's so much to like. I feel like what I have in mind to say is going to multiply from what's going to break down from what we're going to talk. It's going to, these conversations will lead to other paths to what we're going to talk about. Cause there, there's so much to say here. So, uh, it all started with what Cole super kicking Balor. Now that had Balor is involved somehow. Like he's going to have to, uh, be in this storyline, not just, you know, Cole and O'Reilly. He's going to be in this somehow. Cause it all started with Cole, you know, super kicking, uh, Finn Balor. So th- does that mean that Cole's gonna go for the belt next? You know that that seems like that's what's next. But you know, then he super kicks O'Reilly. So maybe a triple threat might be in the picture. Uh, that's how I. I think Finn see the was just a prop. Over. I think he was just a prop to set up Cole kicking Kyle, and they still have Finn do his own thing with the title. Well, and then it becomes to do primarily. Too, okay, what, what's that? Go ahead. What a what a prop to do. You know the first shot to, you know, well, the he's NXT champ. champion, he's the Finn champ, Balor. Right? Like, so I don't think Finn Balor getting super kicked was any prop. That that definitely is going to lead something with Balor. What, so I think it's going to be a triple threat at the least. So yeah. Finn Balor is going to be involved somehow or maybe a tag on NXT ta- uh, TV, something. Finn Balor is involved in this undisputed uh I've heard breakup. some people say that maybe – Maybe Cross could actually be going to the main roster, and they did the super kick so that Cole is the first one to challenge Balor. I've heard that. That could be potential. I mean, there's a mm. lot of ways. I mean, it's either – I think for, for Finn, it's either going to be carrying Cross, and then uh, most likely, but there is the small chance that they, they do go with Adam Cole for another title defense for him. But then again, what does no. Kyle O'Reilly do over the spring takeover if he's not working with Adam Cole? Did you, know? you, you remember – um what's it called? When – I think it was, uh, I forgot what had happened. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, Cross. He, he was challenging, uh, Cole when Cole was still champion before, uh, Keith Lee took it. So maybe that will, um, have Cross, Adam Cole, and Balor in a triple threat as well. And then, uh, maybe O'Reilly could screw over Cole and then get pinned by Cross to win the belt, making Balor still look strong in a way to not get pinned. Uh, there's just so much you could do. 
uh, just this one breakup well, by this, the end well, of this it was, takeover. It was a huge angle that shakes the foundation of the NXT brand. So it's like it, and there's a lot of things I, that could come of it, right? So Yeah, and what I like the most is that Strong, he he's by himself, like you said. He he didn't he wasn't behind this you know super kick shenanigans that um no cole very clearly went into business for himself yeah Yeah. that was all cole like he strong didn't know this was gonna happen neither did ballard or o'reilly so strong's in a position like holy shit what am i gonna do because cole he super kicked o'reilly as well he didn't hurt strong at all so that means that cole does care about strong in some way um going forward with this uh, breakup so strong is in a really peculiar position on okay who the hell am i gonna side with because you know he's he has no bone to pick with in anyone uh with anyone in this uh nobody has done roderick strong wrong yeah nothing because he actually the undisputed era is what made him better in nxt so this is really putting him in the most difficult position uh you know kayfabe in kayfabe so he really doesn't know what to do next uh if you know with Cole putting himself before um, others, it's it's really this is the best breakup I've ever seen because you know the the UE was gonna break up, uh, you know that was inevitable. Well, because they but were never going, they, to, they were it. never going to the main roster. As a group. Oh, definitely no, no, they were not. So it's just the way they broke them up is just uh, it's the best that I could imagine. It's because um, you know the Adam Cole Kyle O'Reilly feud is going to be all kinds of awesome. You know it. You know it's going to be probably maybe the best angle in NXT all year. I could see this being Gargano Champa levels of greatness in terms of a feud for the brand. This is this this is a feud that the the brand needed to really do something. Oh, with of course. It, you know, so I'm really excited for it personally to see where it goes. And now it's uh. Now we're forgetting the fourth one. You know, I know he's injured. You know, Bobby Fish. Yeah. Where, where does that put him? I don't know. It, d- injured, it depends when he comes back, gonna, right? I mean, yeah, maybe he's he'll... definitely going to be in this picture because he's a member. And not only that, but he's like a long-term Kyle O'Reilly's longtime tag team partner. Yeah, tag team partner as in well. In Red so... Dragon, so it's like yeah, and they've shared shared, shared belts with him too, like in NXT. So it's just uh... he will be factored in when he's cleared. So we'll see what they do with him when he comes back. So As what a, do you think Bobby Fish will be in this uh, in this uh, dilemma? I think if, he, when he comes back, I think I I can maybe he tur- he turns and sides with Kyle. Like I, I can't imagine him siding with Cole. I mean Kyle's his longtime tag team partner. I don't know. That's that's he's a wild card. It's like what do they do with Roddy? Right? I think he's gonna. Yeah, be we don't even know much, what Roddy's gonna do yet either. So uh, just factors in for when he comes back and what they do with it. There's so many ways this can go, and there's so many questions and good questions, questions that make you want to tune in. So that's good for NXT in, in that opinion. They've got an angle that's got me hooked and maybe even considering watching NXT over Dynamite this week, which would be the first time in fucking forever if I chose I know, to do right? that, chose oh to do that decision. So, uh, a+. Plus. I've been watching AEW a lot recently, by the way. Just I have been, too. Quick. I've been following it every week for the most part when I've got time to watch it on Wednesdays. It's, the, it's probably the one weekly wrestling show I watch the most. And then I've actually caught SmackDown quite a bit because it's gotten pretty decent. It's fucking leagues better. That's than all Raw. because of Roman. That's all because of Roman. Oh, of course. I'm not. I'm not giving anybody <laughs> else any credit. And I, you know, Kevin Owens to an extent too. I like KO, and he's he was in the they title just picture. Need to book him better. Oh yeah, they book him like shit, but he he overcomes it by being so talented. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. He got so, ran over by a fucking cart. <laughs> yeah, ripping off AEW, a eh, Roman like uh, or WWE. Oh, man. 
So yeah, an A plus uh, um, post main event angle, A plus angle to end the show, and I think an actual A plus show. This takeover yes. is comparable to all the greatest takeovers in front of a crowd, and I don't think I'm being. I mean, you I say that every takeover. Like, no, we say that every takeover, no, and that's no, a good thing. No, 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 no. I, I said that TakeOver 31 was the best of the pandemic era, but, like, this show made me forget that it was, like, a pandemic era. So, sure, there was the, the lame-ass adding in crowd noises and shit like that. That's nothing that they can control. They want to try and make it as lively as possible. But the match quality on this show, top to bottom, finally felt like TakeOver Portland or TakeOver New York. From, like, the NXT in-ring quality, where there was that many great matches, a couple very good ones, and just a, a show that you go away. Like, even though it was predictable, you still were like, fuck, those matches kicked ass. I mm. love this show. I thought the main event was fucking fantastic. A match of the year contender, Gargano versus... Uh, obviously, talking WWE, right? Like, I don't compete WWE with other, other promotions. We're talking just within the WWE banner. As far as... A WWE match of the year contenders go, I think, like, Kushida versus Gargano and Balor versus Dunn are up there. I marginally, by, like, a quarter star, liked Kushida and Gargano more, but I would say, and even the tag team finals for MSK and Grizzled Young Veterans, if you haven't seen yeah, any of those, like that too. If, any, if you haven't seen any of those three matches, take the time and watch them. They're worth your time. They're great. This is the best NXT has looked in a long time. They needed a show like this. They needed to revitalize, um... Their, their brand it's it's been a brand with with decent stuff with like just kind of predictable stuff going on and it's it, it doesn't have a sense of urgency to it now it does after a show like this this is what they needed can they keep the momentum going that's questionable we'll see what they do in the next couple weeks but okay so for for scores for the matches for the opener i give it a solid thumb and a half gargano and kushida gets a solid two thumbs up um the tag team finals for the men I would also give, like, you know, two thumbs up, marginally, marginally two. It's more than a thumb and a half. Uh, the women's triple threat gets a thumb and a half, and then uh, obviously a solid two thumbs up for the main event for an A-plus show that also gets two solid thumbs up from me. I think this is the best takeover in a year, if not almost like a year and a half. It's been a while since they had a show of this quality. Like, we say they're always very good to great, but I thought this was next-level good. Or next level great. Gabe, your final analysis of this show. It impresses me how every like pandemic era takeover is just getting better and better. Yeah, it and, really like, does seem to be is, that way. This is the first time it oh, wait. This is still under not a live crowd. You know, so it's it just shows that okay, NXT is promising as time goes on. They can do it. If they put their the chips together and form something, they can do it. This show proved it. So, so it's uh so as in terms of match uh ratings and reviews um I think I gave what the first one the women's uh, tag match like a thumb up yeah I, and gave, then I think you uh, gave two to Gargano and Kushida then we never gave Gargano, the thumb, yep. then we gave, never gave the thumbs up for the last three matches so now would be the time yeah. to give the last three so and then uh men's Dusty Cup that's uh I want to say that's like a thumb and a half if fair enough yeah, cl yeah close to two thumbs it's just my problem with it was. It's just a lot of like tag team spots. Like it didn't really seem. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I did really line. like the action and I thought it was great, but there was a lot of 
guys hit their finish and then it yeah. gets broken up or kicked out of which just I, the cat, like just the indie stuff like basic yeah, indie stuff which isn't yeah. bad which it is isn't always bad but I, it, I, it, there was a couple times where i felt it got maybe a little excessive yeah, but I'm I like, still okay. thought the teams worked great together. It's they not did. the biggest knock on the match. It's just if I had to find a fault, that would be one of them. It's just, oh, indie spot, pin, kick out. Okay, indie spot, pin, kick out. That's It's just rinse and repeat for MSK, which isn't always bad, you know, so that's why I gave it And I, I thought it worked in this environment, so I can't knock it, it too bad. So. It's, the dusty, it's the Dusty Cup finals, you know. It, there's no real backstory between these two. It's just two, you know, kick-ass teams trying to get that, you know. Tag team shot. The tag title, title. Yeah. Yep. So, so it's uh that's a thumb and a half. And then the women's match, I, that was my personal least favorite. Um, because it was just really weird. But they, you know, still great workers. Uh not the worst match ever, obviously. We no. kept nailing that in the head. But uh that was my least favorite. Like a, a thumb and a half uh, a thumb up as well. One thumb, right? Yeah. One thumb, yeah. One thumb up. And then the you know the main event of course this is just a wrestling classic as well so just two thumbs up <laughs> fucking finn and pete didn't disappoint when they finally got in that ring together imagine that match with the live crowd it would have so yeah, okay here's would, the thing if, if that match would have been in front of a live crowd i think i think it might have even would have been better than kushida and gargano i think it would have been close to being like a five-star classic had there been like a legitimate crowd to do dueling chants and elevate the atmosphere but alas, it didn't have that, so it's just, you know, a standard very great match. But I I just think of what that match would have been like in front of a live crowd. It would have been – the crowd would have took that match to completely the next level, but we'll never know because it was a pandemic main event. But still a Sadly. fucking great one that you should go out of your way to see. <laughs> yes, sir. Please do oh, so. Before we uh, close it off, I just want to ask one last thing about the closing mm-hmm. segment from the show. Yep. Who keeps the UE theme? Someone has to keep that theme. Imagine if they just completely disregard it and give all guys all new theme music. I imagine it goes uh, to. I imagine it goes to. Cole. No, they're gonna have to keep. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's. I imagine I it goes to Cole. Um, yeah. Imagine it goes to Cole because he's. He's the guy who goes boom. He's got Adam Cole, baby. He's got his shit with that fucking entrance, right? So I imagine since he's the big kahuna of the Undisputed Era, he keeps the the theme song. But we, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But we shall it, see. it could go either way, too, because Kyle Riley, his, his... His air guitar. His air guitar. <laughs> it's going nowhere if that's not his theme, because that's, that's just his theme. Yeah, we need to see the air guitar when he wins the NXT title so he can that's do it with the thinking. belt. Yeah. <laughs> do you agree that he so, gets it sometime by the end of the year? Do you think he becomes champion this year? I think it's going to happen. I think they're going to book him to uh, win. Or are you I not know, sure? I'm not sure because really? this this breakup really could go anywhere. Of course, the end the end uh, result is okay. Let's have Kyle win the strap. But look at how long it took for Gargano Champa to finally yeah, give Gargano it's like, the it's belt. Like, like the, and this, it wasn't this... even from Champa. It was from Cole. So yeah, but that was circumstantial. Like if Tommaso could have worked that match, he was dropping the belt to Johnny. But he... still, look how long that took. So many years. Um, and then like, the I mean, payoff still years. wasn't all that good because then Tommaso's a babyface and Johnny's a heel and they have a cinematic match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I'm just saying it's going to take a while. Uh, I mean, it could take a while for uh, O'Reilly to win the strap in my opinion. So, but, yeah, you know, so you're saying it could take a while to where it could be 2022 by the time if he wins it, If right? it's that good, they're going to book it long-term. So oh, yeah. that's to- how I see it. So, um, yeah. I, you know his um O'Reilly's first theme in NXT? It was, in his first match against uh, Black, I don't, Black? I don't even remember it, to be honest. It's oh, so it's, long it's ago. It's a banger. I really hope that he, he brings it back. back. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Eye of, 
Eye of the Dragon, something, hold on. It's some awesome, like, rock song. Mm. Lightning and Thunder. Yeah, that's what it's called. Because I downloaded that song. It's too good. I think you I would got, like it, too. I gotta listen to it, then, if it's, like, a rock yeah, song. I'll send it to you. It's a rock song. It's a really good rock song. Like, nice. Kyle O'Reilly's entrance was so badass when he first debuted in NXT. It was the best. So, yeah, I hope he gets that back if Cole does keep the UE theme. So, yes, I would say this is an early contender for at least NXT show of the year. Or WWE show of the year. It's an early contender for that. I know we're only in February. But I said the same thing about Portland. And that did, in fact, end up by the end of the year being the best show that WWE did all year. So we shall see. I mean, there could be a takeover that happens and tops this one, even though it's a pandemic. And I could be wrong, but it's an early contender as of right now. So, Gabe, the floor is now yours for the cheapest of plugs. If you got anything to plug, do it now. If not, throw the lines back to me, and I'll do our usual outro. With life being so busy for me, especially so, you know, I've been doing military stuff, and I've been, you know, with the news going on lately, um, the crazy stuff in the White House and, the you know, D.C. in general, um, I haven't been really focusing on content lately. But when I can, I've always, you know, put out some funny, like, songs or like, some inspirational videos so i got nothing to really plug i just come out with those randomly now just to see like oh, okay let's see how this turns out so i've been mostly active here uh believe it or not even though it's been three months uh brayden so i've been mainly uh doing my content you know it's just this here. is the structure for the outro so i throw it to you to give your last little piece and then it comes back to me yeah. so you know you know yeah, how sure. we've done so, enough of these that this is how it yeah goes. <laughs> this is so how I'm it be keep, yeah, i'm basically yeah like just when I ask for the plug, that's like Gabe and, and Brandon's personal outro, right? Like, that's their way to close out the show before I fucking fully decide to use my little cliches before I end uh, the recording. So, anyway, you can listen to us on Anchor, which is now officially a podcast producer for Spotify. It's Anchor by Spotify now. So, it's like a, it's a more than an affiliate of, of Spotify. It's like a, an actual official Spotify platform. But we are also available on the... Um, affiliate uh, platforms, in which case Spotify was one of them, but they still also are affiliated with the following platforms that we are also on. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Copy RSS, and the mention for a million times Spotify itself. That's my personal favorite platform for podcasts and music. I use it, so I imagine... Much of our listeners also probably listen to this here podcast on Spotify. I think technically listening to it on Anchor means you're listening to it on Spotify anyway. So, and also, if you happen to watch the video form of this podcast and watching my beautiful face and my Discord light up for my desktop here and all that stuff, and you're watching the video form of this and you liked what you've seen and heard, give that Bracer YouTube channel a little subscribe because these podcasts get uploaded in video form just like they get uploaded... Uh, they get uploaded in video form to YouTube, just like they get uploaded to audio form to Anchor. They get they both get posted on both platforms every time they're finished recording. And if you happen to also like Nintendo and Smash Brothers and all that kind of stuff, I do speculation videos going through the rest of this DLC until it comes out. And then I'll change gears and figure out what to do with my gaming content once the DLC expires. I always find a way to figure that out. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in, in, in gaming speculation sphere talk, this channel's all about that, too, and you can subscribe for that stuff as well. I have a video planned for this week, in fact. I'm going to be talking about the most slept-on potential DLC characters that no one is talking about. Everybody's talking about Crash. Everybody's talking about Ryu Hayabusa. But nobody's talking about Saul Bad Guy from Guilty Gear. Nobody's talking about Captain Toad. Nobody's talking <laughs> about some of the uh, the other 
Nobody's talking about Bill Riser from Contra, which could be another potential Konami character. So there's a few characters I have in mind for that video, and that'll be coming up sometime this week. So that is all from me and the Apron Bumps crew, and we're going to Spanish fly on out of here. See you next time, folks.